Ladies and gentlemen, we, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Hagman and Hagman Report. I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. As you can see, we are back on video, meaning we have Tech Eric back with us. I want to give him a welcome back. Uh, we got a great show lined up for you tonight. A lot of interesting stuff going on in the news, a lot of um, great guests that are coming on tonight, some reoccurring, some new, and I'll go over the schedule with you just here in a moment. First, I want to get the pizza out of my teeth. Now, first, I want to uh, let you know our websites. HagmanReport.com is our website for uh, important news and information and, and some show content. And HagmanAndHagman.com deals with our show content exclusively. So, again, HagmanReport.com and HagmanAndHagman.com. Bookmark those sites. We're joined, uh, we're here live each and every weekday, 7 to 10 p.m., live on YouTube, live on Global Star Radio Network, as well as on Blog Talk uh, Radio as well. And again, there is a lot going on in the news, and I'll I'll give you the schedule first, so we can uh, let you guys know what's going on. We're open in this first half hour. We're going to be talking directly about the Susan Rice issue and the Trump wiretapping claims that have kind of made a uh, come full circle in the news uh, on some outlets. And then, and John's going to be joining us for the first hour also. Uh, for the news as well as with our, our first hour second segment guest Brock Swinson and he's a, a Hollywood guy he's going to be on from 7.30 to 8 then we have uh, returning guest Andrew Kerr from the Citizens Audit 8 to 8.30 and Angela Warren she had a, a huge uh, following on Twitter dealing with Pizzagate and if you guys remember last time she was on the day she came on our show her Twitter account was was banned. She was banned from her Twitter account, over 15,000 followers. She's got a new Twitter account, and she's working hard at continuing to expose the pizza or pedogate um, issue that's been ongoing, and she's got uh, a bunch of information in the uh, 8.30 to 9 slot that will be joined by her, and she's going to lay it all out. And then as each and every Tuesday, we have Stan Dale from 9 to 10, and I saw a few email questions in our, our studio email. Uh, for stand, and I have those those ready to go. Um, but let's jump right into it. I know John's with us, and I'll bring him on in in a moment. I kind of want to lay this out a little bit. Uh, and John, we talked today, but I don't know how much you've been following what's been going on with Susan Rice. And the interesting story uh, for those of you who might not have heard it or only seen um, certain parts of this story, if you remember, two weeks ago, Susan Rice was on PBS. And she was asked about the unmasking, uh, and Susan Rice, I guess I should go over this first. Susan Rice was the former national security advisor under the Obama administration. And she was interviewed on PBS a few weeks ago asking about the leaks and the unmasking that was ongoing and the surveillance around the Trump campaign. And like she did with the Benghazi story, and folks, if you remember Benghazi, she was the one who blamed the September 11, 2012 terrorist attacks on a YouTube video. 
not only did she do that, but uh, Hillary Clinton also and the president went on to, to talk about the narrative that she created or they created, and it turned out to be all a lie. It wasn't a, a spontaneous, you know, riot that happened uh, because of a, a YouTube, a six-minute YouTube video that nobody watched that was apparently offensive to Muslims. It was a coordinated terrorist attack, and Susan Rice not only created and, and disseminated the the narrative that the YouTube video was to blame, she went on all the political Sunday morning shows that Sunday morning, I think it was five shows, and lied to the American people and continued to push the narrative. And the, the movie, the video on YouTube was The Innocence of Muslims. And folks who've been listening to our show for a while have a good understanding of what what happened in Benghazi. I know my dad's covered it extensively both in written reports and in on our show. So Susan Rice already has a huge credibility issue, at least with me, and it should for many other people. She is no stranger to lying to the American people to push a political objective or to stop her um, political party and those people around her from, from being held responsible. And she uh, has proven this time and time again. Now, again, she was on two weeks ago on PBS, and I can't find the, the name of the show, and I will find it uh, at some point here. But she said, uh, you know, she had no idea about the unmasking. She wasn't sure. Uh, this was after David Nunez came out and said that there were troubling reports of the unmasking and who was asked to do it. And she went on to deny it, basically said that she had no idea, um, you know, what was going on. Well, it's come out that the New York Times and Bloomberg both had Susan Rice's name and knew that she was the one who who conducted the unmasking and dissemination of the people who were unmasked in those reports. And we're going to get into why this is so bad. The media is continuing to downplay this. And I'm, i got a few uh, articles up here, so I keep looking at my computer. Then I want to get straight. Because this is, it's, it's funny, it's sad, and it's scary all at the same time. Now, what's most interesting that I want to make sure I, I don't forget to say, Susan Rice did an interview today on MSNBC with Andrea Mitchell. And during this interview, Andrea Mitchell asked Susan Rice, did the pace of unmasking requests, your unmasking requests, accelerate toward the end of your White House tenure? Meaning, after the election, you had, what, three months until the inauguration of Trump? Two months almost? Two and a half months? She goes on to say that, I can't say the pace of unmasking requests would accelerate, but if you were asking where were there more reports provided to senior U.S. officials after the president requested the compilation of the intelligence, which was ultimately provided in January? Yes. So, this wasn't... This surveillance, this unmasking, wasn't just something that was ongoing before the election. From her own words, there's two important things that she says here. One is that there was an increased requests about the information provided in January. So in the month leading up to Trump's inauguration, after the election, the intelligence increased. But notice what she says. In the interview, she goes on to say that that this intelligence and unmasking request would accelerate after the president requested the compilation of intelligence, which was ultimately provided in January. 
So the big question is here. Obama obviously knew. He's the one who requested the compilation of intelligence. Now, what's legal, what's illegal, we can get into that. I want to kind of go over some of the media coverage because i got a wide array. Depending on which news outlet you go to, you either will hear something about this that may be true, may be false. You'll hear nothing about it, or you'll hear something like this. CNN goes on rampage against Susan Rice Bombshell, instructs viewers to ignore the story. Last night on the Don Lemon Show, he went, when he opened up his show, and this is articles on HagmanReport.com, it's also up on Drudge now, he opened his story um, with a disclaimer, he opened his show with a disclaimer, um, he goes on to, and folks, you can watch the video, I'm not going to get into all of this, but basically what he says is it's an illegitimate story, it's a lie, he said, I'm not going to insult your intelligence by pretending um, it's legitimate, nor will we aid or nor will we aid the people trying to misinform you, the American people, by creating a diversion. Not going to do it. And he goes on to talk about how Trump's wiretapping claims have not been substantiated, how they're, he's, Trump is a liar, and how they continue to push this false narrative. And even on ABC News, Susan Rice says it's absolutely false. Obama officials unmasked names for political purposes. As we've been pointing out in previous shows, and we've seen the increase of this, there is a word game going on here. By this title on ABC again, Susan Rice says it's absolutely false. Obama officials unmask names for political purposes. Susan Rice was a Obama official. She unmasked the names. So what's misleading about this headline? Her claim that this was completely done legally for national security reasons and not for political purposes. That's how she can get away with saying it's absolutely false. Obama officials unmask names for political purposes. Because we know it's very true that Obama officials unmask the names, but it's being debated and it has not been proven yet that it was done for political purposes when we know that it has been done for political purposes. Before I go any further, I'm going to bring John on because i got a few other places I want to go in this half hour if we have time, but I want to get John's opinion on this. He's joining us from a remote location tonight, and um, again, I talked with John a few times today, but we didn't get into the specifics of this story. Any thoughts, John, on, on what to make of the Susan Rice issue and the two narratives that are going in the news based on which outlets you look at and their uh, <laughs> predetermined bias opinions? Well, first of all, Joe, thank you for uh, having me on here. It's an honor to... Uh, co-pilot with you here in hour one of our show this evening. And uh, folks, j- as Joe mentioned, we have a great show planned for you tonight, so you definitely want to stick around. Uh, we've got some phenomenal guests coming in. But Susan Rice, I mean, what a joke. And Joe, God bless you for wading through the fake stream media narrative. Uh, and thank God for people like Tyler Durden over at Zero Hedge, who did an excellent piece uh, that our friend uh, Josh Kaplan, uh, founder and senior editor at VesselNews.io, curated. And as you were making your opening remarks, I took a look at some of the verbatim comments that Susan Rice made, again, folks, in the Andrea Mitchell interview on MSNBC. Susan Rice uh, said, and I quote, The allegation that somehow Obama administration officials utilized intelligence for political purposes, that's absolutely false. My job is yep. to protect the American people and the security of our country. Well, Susan Rice, you may want to 
go back and read some back issues of one of your favorites, the New York Times, because the New York Times reported the exact opposite. And, of course, uh, we were out front on that story last week uh, at HagmanReport.com. Uh, Rice went on to say, There was no such collection or surveillance on Trump Tower or Trump individuals. It is important to understand, directed by the White House or targeted at Trump individuals. <clears throat> False. So, Joe, you nailed it. And, you know, the question I would pose to the listeners, and, Joe, I'll hand it back to you. At what point has someone's credibility been compromised to such a gross extent that they have absolutely no credibility whatsoever? It's a good question. I think after, you know, one Sunday morning talk show lying to the American people, uh, making up a false excuse to cover for a terrorist attack and the administration's, you know, complete overthrow of the Libyan government, she should have lost all her credibility then and there, you know, by by pushing this this false story with Benghazi that a YouTube video that nobody watched, nobody knew about, was responsible for the spontaneous attacks that we saw in Benghazi. And I think I heard on the way to the studio, I was talking to you on the phone, but I heard at the very beginning when I got in the car, Sean Hannity, you know, talk about the type of weapons that were in the Benghazi attack. And this is something that we haven't revisited in a while. But he was talking about how, you know, these uh you know rpgs and anti-tank missiles were there like people just randomly carry that stuff around but everybody knows i mean it's no secret now that the benghazi was a coordinated terrorist attack there's a a a conflicting narrative some people say it was an attempted kidnapping of ambassador chris stevens others say it was um an arms deal that chris stevens needed to be taken out but we know that it was a coordinated terrorist attack now susan rice had that information, but for some reason chose to to lie, along with Obama, along with Hillary Clinton. Remember, they investigated Hillary Clinton. Um, and what difference does it make? Yeah, her, what difference her, does it make? <laughs> I can still picture her pounding on the table in my head. Um, goodness. But, yeah, back to uh, the PBS. But, uh, Susan Rice was interviewed on PBS a few weeks back, and... She was taken back by the implication that even suggested that Nunez was peddling falsehoods about alleged wiretapping. She said, I know nothing about this, Rice said of Nunez's remarks in the PBS interview. I was surprised to see reports from Chairman Nunez on that count today. She went on to criticize Trump over his tweets and suggested Obama had his wiretap at Trump Tower during the campaign transition. She also added, uh, I don't know what Chairman Nunez was referring to, He would, but... He said that whatever he was referring to was illegal, lawful surveillance and that it was potentially incidental collection on American citizens. Well, we know now that this flat-out lie was false, and she even contradicted herself today, on again, on MSNBC's Andrea Mitchell. And what they're trying to do is to downplay this, to make this... Sean Spicer said it today, before Susan Rice went on to be on Andrea Mitchell, he said, I know... She's supposed to make comments to a host in a few minutes to minimize this. But it is interesting because she was the one who went out and said she had nothing to do with this on a program a few weeks ago. And um, people from Rand Paul to uh, a, a number of other people are saying that now she's, she needs to testify under oath about what's going on here because she it does need to be put on record. She's told so many stories over the years about different things that you're right what credibility does she have and should she even have the benefit of the doubt she's already contradicted herself on this story alone this time we've known that she's lied to protect the Obama administration and the agenda 
that's that's her mo at least in the in the public eye and why should we believe any different now but i think she during this interview with andrea mitchell uh i'm not sure if this will gain any traction but again she goes on to say that the request for unmasking accelerated in january due to requests from the president for a compilation of intelligence so will we see obama uh, you know get caught up in any of this i mean i'm sure he he already is uh in the political realm but legally and we thought we talked about this a little bit will we see anything come of this she obviously broke the law she's trying to backpedal it and say well you know nunez said it was legal what i did was part of my job and it wasn't for political reasons but not only did she unmask the names she put them in intelligence reports and it was disseminated to top members of the obama administration so maybe it wasn't leaked to the public but she definitely from what i can tell broke the law by um disseminating that information well here's a brief hagman memo to susan rice with all due respect ma'am when you're in a hole stop digging to go back quickly to the <laughs> to go back quickly to the MSNBC piece with uh, with Andrea Mitchell uh, again uh, this is uh, from uh, Tyler Durden at Zero Hedge as curated on VesselNews.io uh, let's see Mitchell said quote Rand Paul is suggesting that you be subpoenaed to testify would you be willing to go to Capitol Hill Susan Rice's response this is verbatim folks you know Andrea let's let's see what comes. Um, I'm not going to, uh, you know, sit here and prejudge, but what I will say is that the investigations that are underway, now this is, this is key, folks, this is the classic libtard move. You take the question and flip the script. Back to the quote. But what I will say is that the investigations that are underway as to the Russian involvement in our electoral process are very important, and they're very serious. Every American ought to have an interest in those investigations going wherever the evidence indicates they should. <laughs> Joe, I can't yeah, help but think, I, I see imagine, <laughs> imagine a coffee and cake moment with Susan Rice, Valerie Jarrett, and Donna Brazile. <laughs> I mean, don't yeah. these people have uh, uh, help, somebody that can call them and say, uh, with all due respect, ma'am, you need to tap the brakes. <laughs> You know, that's a good point, and it makes you wonder, is she, obviously she had a role in this, in her, from her own admission. So how much of this is her being left out to dry to be the fall man, to distance the surveillance from Obama? Because, again, I don't know if you read this, John, on, on uh, and watched the audio clip on Drudge and on HagmanReport.com. CNN goes on rampage against Susan Rice bombshells, instruct viewers to ignore story. And Don Lemon, you know, opens up saying it's a fake scandal ginned up by right-wing media, that there's no credibility to it. Um, basically gave a disclaimer at the beginning of his show saying, you know, uh, I'm not going to insult your intelligence. Uh, this is something that is completely, you know, made up to distract from the Russia story. And Don other, Lemon. You know, yeah, I mean it's it's just I mean, crazy. You talk about digging where, where? a hole and, and stop digging when you're getting in a hole. These people, I don't think they know what that means. I don't think they care. I mean, are well, they just Joe, so insistent on being right? I don't think that's it. I think that's a much darker agenda at sowing discord uh, amongst people who pay attention to what they say and and don't do the the research for themselves. 
Absolutely. And what's happening here, uh, a couple of things. There's a couple of moving parts that I would submit that our Hagman listeners and viewers take a look at and do a little homework on this one, because this is important. Uh, three things as I see it. Number one, what we're seeing from the, from the left in this country, from the Democrat Party, and Joe, you and I have discussed this before in private. Folks, it's such a shame that under this two-party system, this quote-unquote uh, duopoly, that we, we really believe at this point is more of a corporate oligarchy. But it's a shame that the party of Kennedy and Truman and even FDR, who's a rampant, uh, hopeless socialist, but the party that took us successfully through the Depression and World War II has, has capitulated over into just a, a, a ludicrous volume of fake news. But it's even worse because then you've got these clowns like Don Lemon uh, reminding me of that uh, spokesperson for the Connecticut State Police during Sandy Hook saying, the only information that's valid is information that comes from this microphone, and anything else is not. Well, how convenient would that be? <laughs> I forget. I, have the, I know the name, the, the, uh, the Connecticut State Police. Uh, yeah. I have the name on the tip of my tongue. But, yeah, go ahead. Well, but there's, there are a couple of other things that I was thinking while you made your opening remarks. It was an excellent intro, by the way. You know, we're at a time now where... People who are by pretty much any definition of the word innocent are being locked up while these nutballs like Susan Rice and Don Lemon and, and, uh, and Brzezinski and, and Morning Joe and all these kooks are purveying what I call the fake stream media narrative. Uh, you mentioned Benghazi, uh, 9-11-2012. You know, it's often uh, forgotten, it's sort of lost in the story, that the YouTuber that made that film was jailed for quite some time. And, and mm -hmm. granted, he, he, he seemed an odious character to me, and again, with my Hollywood background, some of the actors that worked on the project and so forth really didn't have kind things to say about that man. However, did he deserve to lose his freedom? Let's jump forward and Joe, I'll hand it back to you. Again, while we've got people like Don Lemon proclaiming that that, this, that CNN listeners and viewers are not to acknowledge this story, uh, you know, plug your uh, fingers in your ears and la, 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 la. While that's going on, we've got David Delane locked up the uh, Center for Medical Progress for having the audacity yep. to bring the reality that Planned Parenthood is selling uh, baby parts. They're, they're, it's bad enough they're, they're conducting baby butchery, but they've engaged in commerce to sell these baby parts. So we've got the YouTuber locked up for a big fat lie cooked up by Rice and Clinton. We've got the Center for Medical Progress people locked up because they had the audacity to defend the defenseless. And to just touch quickly on uh, our, our second guest last night, who did a phenomenal job, by the way. Folks, if you didn't hear Eric Hughes-Jones last night, in uh, hour two and part of hour three. Go back and, and take a moment to listen to that because he really brought critical information. But a, a former guest, February 10th of this year of our show, Gary Hunt, is currently what? Sitting in jail. So, Joe, for, this is what's going on. For reporting on, on uh, public information that came out of a court hearing that is a matter of public record, and, and that is just insane. And, folks, if you have a chance, go back to last night and listen uh uh, from 8.30, I mean, at the very least, from 8.30 uh, till the end of the show, we had, um, well, actually, the whole show was great. And, and, folks, I don't know if you've been paying attention. It was a phenomenal on YouTube, show. On YouTube, after every show, we've been segmenting uh, each interview from each guest and posting it as a separate video on the show to kind of make it easier for people to, so they don't have to go uh, search through that, that whole three-hour block of content. Um, so the, the, the interviews are segmented by guests on YouTube, and they have been for 
at least a month now. So that makes it a lot easier for people to find the content that they want. And well, it, we only it have also a few enables left. them to enable it enables. Sorry to step on you, Joe, but it also enables new listeners and people who are still in that quote unquote awakening process to utilize these segmented pieces, folks, as a tool to share with your pastor. Share the share these pieces around your Bible study. It's much easier to hand somebody a twenty five minute piece with one of our phenomenal guests than to ask them to devote a full three hours to the show. Of course, we know, Joe, that once they hear the piece, they'll come on over to the mothership. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, coming up next, folks, uh, John's going to hang with us as Brock Swinson is going to be coming on. He's a Hollywood guy. Obviously, John's a, a former Hollywood guy. And we're going we're gonna to hear some, some interesting, uh, an interesting interview coming up next. But real quick, just to do a kind of a lightning round before we, just in case we don't get to the rest of the stuff today, North Korea today fires fired a projectile into the EC. They say it's an unknown projectile. Some say it's a missile test. Um, it should be interesting because we see that the increased rhetoric, the rhetoric of, of war has increased, uh, especially in the last few weeks, and there's a big meeting between uh, China's prime minister to visit the White House in the next few days, I believe, and there is some kind of tension there between uh, China and the U.S. on how to deal with North Korea. And hopefully that gets ironed out and there's some kind of agreement as to how to proceed from here. A general came out today, and I don't know how much of this is, is just speculation or, you know, he's told to say this, but he said, you know, uh, a full-out war might be the only answer. You know, basically bombing North Korea might be the only way to to end this um, this conflict, which I, I think a lot of it, when you have these former generals and other people coming out, I think a lot of it is their own opinion or something they're told to say more so than, than what would actually be best for the country. And um, also, uh, Andrew Kerr is going to be coming on to talk about Vault 7 tonight. But uh, I wanted to, to uh, get into this. We don't have time, but I guess watch in the news for any kind of distraction from the Susan Rice story. They're gonna, they've, they've already done their minimizing. She went on the interview, tried to minimize it, say it was legal. And, John, I saw the question on the Washington Free Beacon, Susan Rice Dodge's question on whether she would be willing to testify um, in court about this. That's a very interesting catch there. I'm going to post that up on the website during the show um, because it's very relevant. Folks, we're coming up against the break, but when we come back, um, we'll be joined with John, who's on with us now, and Brock Swinson uh, for a half hour. It's going to be a great interview, so don't go anywhere. And when we have time, we'll get back into um, the Susan Rice issue. And uh, we got some great stuff. Angela Warren's going to come on and talk about Pizzagate tonight. I'm really excited to hear that. Uh, Andrew Curry, the Citizens Audit, and then Stan Deo. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of end times fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Wink Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. back ladies and gentlemen to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman report uh, we got some some not technical issues but uh there was an issue with Brock and the sound we couldn't hear him for whatever reason but we're going to bring him back on and again John Robertson's with us he's going to do the interview um with Brock and it's uh, it's going to be an interesting interview um talking about I don't know John what do you what are you guys going to get into while we try to figure well, out uh Thank you, Joe. We're, we're going to get into a number of things. Now, folks, Brock Swenson is a fascinating uh, gentleman. I met him recently. Uh, you can find his work at Trump, as in President Trump, trumpandconquer.com. Again, trumpandconquer.com. But in addition to uh, working in feature film production in Hollywood, uh, so he and I certainly come from a similar background, but, you know, Joe, Brock is uh, heavily involved with uh, teaching entrepreneurism to to youth. So Brock is one of these uh, boots on the ground frontline guys who are really working to raise the entire millennial generation 
into the freedom and the leadership qualities necessary to be a successful entrepreneur. And folks, quickly on entrepreneurism, if you didn't hear our second-to-last interview with Josh Tolley, you'll want to go back and hear that because he certainly has a lot of great stuff to say. So we're going to talk a little bit about Hollywood. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, millennials and, and, and being an entrepreneur. I will mention before we bring Brock in that I'm really excited to speak with Brock Swenson here tonight on the Hagman Report because in addition to uh, being a contributing writer for the Monday Monday Network and uh, other publications out of North Carolina, Brock is an interviewer and a contributing writer at Creative Screenwriting Magazine. And Joe, I'll tell you, there were months back in San Francisco in the early Hollywood days. I may have not had the rent but I had the current issue of Creative Screenwriting Magazine. And, and Brock, um, we're going to try this again, and if this doesn't work, we'll have to connect by phone um, so we don't waste any more time. Can you hear me, and can we hear you? Yeah, we got no audio from you, Brock. Um, what we'll do, I guess... Okay. Well, then, Eric, you keep me updated, and, and we'll get them by phone if we have to. Um and John, I know you're not in the studio, but we got him, him, we're connected with him on Skype. He can hear us, but his audio is not coming through, so he's checking his preferences now. Joe, but, do you um, mind if I take a quick 60 seconds to make a couple of announcements, just some housekeeping? But this is exciting stuff, folks. Go okay. For it. So we've been, folks, we so appreciate all of the emails and the tweets and, and reaching out to us. Now, you may have, uh, hopefully you caught Jackie Hagman with us last week, and she'll be joining us again here in the next couple of days. But Jackie is our social media director, and uh, she fields all of the emails and the tweets and the comments on Facebook, et cetera. So keep them coming. And one of the things that we've, two things really that we've heard a lot lately, and I'm going to address them both right now. Number one, People want to hear more Hagman investigative work. You know, doing this three-hour show, bringing in 15 hours of original content a week, works us all like crazy. And uh, up until recently, it has unfortunately detracted both Doug and Joe Hagman from their original area of expertise, which is investigative journalism and investigative reporting vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Northeast Intelligence Network and Homeland Security US.com. That being said, tomorrow morning we are launching what we're calling the Hagman Investigative Exclusives. Now, folks, you're going to want to go to our official Hagman and Hagman Report YouTube channel to check out the Hagman Investigative Exclusives. And what we're going to be doing is several times a week. Now, we're going to do it once a week to get to get rolling, but ultimately several times a week. Uh, guests who we've really enjoyed having on the program and some new guests that, that have not been on the live show yet are going to sit down for a one-on-one -on -one with Doug Hagman. These, again, are Hagman investigative exclusives. And tomorrow we're going to launch this with uh, Stephen Menking, who's been making a lot of noise around the Internet radio scene lately, uh, most recently on the Common Sense Show when Doug and Joe uh, hosted that a couple weeks ago in Dave Hodge's absence. The other thing we've heard a lot of the listeners ask us about, what are you doing about the censorship thing? I've received so many emails, Joe. Uh, are you guys putting together some kind of coalition or a network or what's going on? And I can officially announce today that not only have we heard you folks, but we are responding and we've been working in the backcourt very hard to put together some synergy and get some different players on the board so that we can determine how to uh, combine forces and push back against some of these censorship issues. That being said, I'm not going to announce the date yet. I will just say that it's in late April. We have a roundtable scheduled, and all of the guests have agreed uh, at this point. I have the commitments in writing. Folks, this is going to be a three-hour roundtable 
moderated by Sheila Zelensky, and the, the guests around the table are Doug and Joe Hagman, Dave Hodges from The Common Sense Show, Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer from Coach Dave Live, and Josh Tolley from The Josh Tolley Show. Three full hours of bringing all of these minds and these points of view together and figuring out what exactly are we going to do about the tech tyrants that are pushing the censorship on us. Because it, ultimately, folks, they're silencing us, which means we cannot inform you. Joe, I'm pretty excited about that roundtable. Yeah, it should be it should be fantastic. And I know um, the topic is going to be in, in pretty much all of our area of expertise in talking about a number of different issues with media, the alternative media, where we've been, what's going on now, where we're going, um, and some other things that are going to be going to be great. Now, John, you mentioned the the Hagman investigative uh, reports. Um, you said check tomorrow on YouTube. Oh no, the t- the we're actually doing, folks. These are going to be pre-records. They're Skype video pre-records. The first Hagman investigative exclusive is with Stephen Menking. They will conduct the interview tomorrow, and we'll have okay. it posted at the official Hagman channel as soon as it's as soon as we get the graphics burned in and have it nice and cleaned up. Yeah, I was wondering about that because I. <laughs> I was just sitting here thinking, like, what are we going to put up tomorrow? Uh, but all right, thanks for clarifying that. Uh, do we have Brock? In, he's still working on it? Okay. Well, Joe, uh, should we... Should what we're we, going to do... Should, uh, go ahead. We're going to have... We're going we're gonna, to... Uh, I'm going to send a message to Todd and just get him on the landline. I don't want to waste any more time because he's only on for... But we'll keep him on video and he can do the interview via phone and then this video will come across on Skype. That's a good idea, Eric. Thank you. And I will send this to Todd right now. You know, God God bless Todd Wait, Folks, there are a lot of people who work very hard behind the scenes to bring this show in every night. And Todd Waite is truly one of the unsung heroes of the Hagman and Hagman Report. He runs a tight ship. Todd, for those of you who don't know, is the founder and owner of the Global Star Radio Network. It enables the Hagman and Hagman Report to reach over 104 countries last year. Millions and millions of people listen to the show on Global Star. And I personally, as the producer of the show, work with Todd daily. And I'll tell you, Todd is a blue chip guy. Yeah, absolutely great to have. And uh, and always on top of things. And uh, Global Star Radio is... is uh, one of our favorite outlets, and folks, if you, I don't know, we don't talk about this too much. We mention it here and there, but check out the lineup that Global Star has. There's so many people who are guests on our show and um, important other alternative media talk shows. I mean, it, it, they've got content 24/7. That's that's uh, informative and, and uh, spirit from spirituality to politics, all kinds of, of great content. It's there on Absolutely. Global Star Radio Network. Okay, thanks, Todd. Uh, Todd's got our guest, uh, Brock Swinson. So we're going to bring him on audio and video. Brock, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Hey, guys. Thank you so much. Sorry about that confusion earlier. No problem. It happens. And uh, just glad that we that we got you on. John, I'm going to turn this over to you, and I'll jump in where necessary, if necessary. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Joe. And, folks, uh, once again, our guest uh, for the remainder of this hour is Brock Swinson. Uh, Brock is a prolific writer. Uh, and he's worked as the editor-in-chief of the Rogue Valley Messenger. Uh, he's been in Los Angeles film production for quite some time. Uh, he started the Carolina Monthly. Uh, he is a full-time freelance writer. And as I mentioned before we brought Brock in, my favorite part of his bio, he is an interviewer and writer at Creative Screenwriting Magazine. 
and if you want to check out Brock's work, and I recommend you do, simply go to Trump and Conquer. Trump is in President Trump. Trumpandconquer.com. Now, Brock, you've got some excellent work up at Trump and Conquer, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about entrepreneurism, entrepreneurism rather, in the millennials. Uh, but what I'd like mm-hmm. to do is uh, hand it over to you if you'd like to shade in your background and your bio a little bit, and let's jump right in the deep end, sir. Absolutely. Um, I grew up in North Carolina, went to school for writing at UNC Wilmington. Um, kind of my last day in school there, they basically told me, you can't really make it as a writer, which was great to hear the last day. Um, I kind of took the opposite route of what they told me and started doing some freelance work instead of trying to get picked up by um, publications where your odds are you know, one in a million, basically about 1% or less. Um, so I started doing my own freelance work. I ended up moving to the West Coast for a while. I lived in Oregon and California. I did some freelance work on film production out there. Um, when I moved back here, I started a small newspaper. I've done that for, I've done a lot of little projects for about a year or so. And most recently, I've gotten um, involved in politics and writing for, I started with the Monday Monday Network. I actually wrote entertainment pieces for them. Then I moved into politics when I saw that they were, um, had similar views as I did about, about politics. Grew up in a conservative household and Everything kind of rounds together to now to where I'm very passionate about uh, freelance writing, entrepreneurship, and I see it you know, it's so important today, especially people in their 20s, um, who just don't take a lot of chances like that. They don't put work in the right way, um, but they kind of expect a lot. So, so it's really about just doing the right work, um, putting in the time, and doing it every day a little bit, chipping away at something greater. Oh, well, you know, that sounds fantastic. And, folks, just to reiterate what Brock said, uh, you can find his original pieces at trumpandconquer.com, but he's also got some really prescient work up at mondaymondaynetwork.com. Again, that's mondaymondaynetwork.com. And I just want to ask you quickly, Brock, and then I'll hand it over to you for wherever you want to go for the remainder of our time together. And we've got about uh, about 16 minutes or so. Unfortunately, we've, we've got a little bit of limited time here this evening due to the, the audio issues. But one of the things that really caught my eye that you wrote at, at mondaymondaynetwork.com back on January 7th, alert, Israel just passed a Facebook bill. The U.S. could be doing this too. Man, did you hit that nail on the head early on or what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, we have a great staff over there. So that started as more of a niche website. So we're doing a lot of entertainment articles. I started writing about The Walking Dead. When they moved into politics, we really um, narrowed down what we were doing, what we were trying to deliver every single day. We see so much, you know, as Trump calls it, fake news out there, that a lot of things are just not getting coverage. Um they're kind of getting looked over, and we just want to make sure that um, we're keeping even with the big conglomerates that is the left media that's pushing out all of the things that they want to say. Um, the way you think, you think Trump would already be impeached from what you read. But in reality, there's there's different sides. There's two sides to every story, and that's what we do at Monday Monday. It's, it's mostly myself and a few other writers, um, but that inspired me to start Trump and Conquer, which is a similar website where we also focus on that kind of news that's very important and I really think we're trying to reach the, the younger crowd with that as well, um, say up to date so we have some articles that are more evergreen that kind of last forever just about what's going on in today's politics and how it's going to affect the long run and then what I'm specializing, specializing in now is more about the um, day-to-day things like breaking stories, 
you know, there was the, the thing in Syria today, and then there's there's all kinds of this and that going on every single day. So we try to find uh, the best quotes, the best sources, the best articles, and just really like the stories that kind of pack a punch, but just so you know what's going on day to day. You can So you can take the time to really read every article, or you can almost just browse on the site on your phone, which is what most people do these days. And we've categorized it where you can read it either way, um, kind of just break a little bit of the story or the full thing in a really deep version. Well, Brock, my a tip of the hat to you folks. That website, again, is trumpandconquer.com. And, you know, something we try to do around the Hagman and Hagman Report, and Joe and I uh, stay abreast of one another with this, is to to broaden our perspective beyond the Drudge Report. So we're looking at vesselnews.io. We're looking at Trump and Conquer. Uh, Joe is uh, very adept at uh, looking at a lot of the different uh, Reddit-style forums. And, of course, we all use Twitter uh, for breaking news as well. But, Brock, what I'd like to ask you about this evening, because this whole story of the millennial generation has, has become so fascinating and also so pertinent, uh, certainly in the election cycle and uh, in the post-election uh, uh, period, where do you see millennials uh, as far as conservatism goes? Now, we've had a lot of great guests on in the last three or four months uh, who are, you know, 25 to 35 years old. And these kids are, they are a generation, Brock, who was lied to their entire lives by a generation lied to their entire lives. So, Bob, give us a little uh, idea from your point of view. Where are millennials with conservatism? And then let's tie that into how important entrepreneurism is to that political ideology. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, people in their 20s are certainly obsessed with social media and entertainment and things like that. And if you just follow those sources, all you see is a left agenda. You know, all the celebrities are kind of were behind Clinton. Um, very few, if anyone, was were voting for Trump. But when Trump won is what made me get into politics. Um, I was still kind of a young, like, not sure who was going to win the election. I didn't really know who might win. It, it, if you just, because all you see is Hillary, Hillary, Hillary. Um, but when she won, obviously the, the solid majority is the majority, and uh, Donald Trump is now president. So I think the biggest problem there um, it's just really all the, the social media things. You really don't see a lot of it. But now with, like, Trump and Cocker and other websites that are up and coming, um, we we see that we have a voice, too, and it's not just, you know, one-sided like it seems. Um, and I, all of that comes back to entrepreneurship. And, and I really – the reason why I'm Republican and grew up Republican is because I see the value in it. I see that um, – it's not just great to go get a job. The, the promises we were told when we were younger are not really there anymore. You can't go get any degree and get a job. And even if you do get a job, it's not going to last a lifetime like it used to, like our parents have kind of told us when we were growing up. Uh, most millennials only work at a place for two to three years. You can see from my stats, I've been at places, you know, two months to two years. That's kind of the max for me. I'm, I'm 29 years old. Um, but as I'm learning more and more, we're also kind of trying more and more, and we and really just hope something's going to catch. But I think in the long run, as long as you're, you know, if, you, if you're young and you're pursuing a general direction that's in the right path, um, it's not going to happen immediately, but it will happen later. And I think that's what's so important about entrepreneurship and, and even honestly being a Republican and, and knowing what's right and wrong and really just being someone who's more open to being in the middle about some issues and, and seeing what's going on and, that's the best way to kind of conquer some of these problems we have today. Amen, brother. Now, one of the things that you uh, 
wrote in your talking points that really grabbed my attention because this is so critical. And for all of our younger listeners, first of all, God bless you and thank you for checking in. You know, Brock, we've been so blessed at Hagman Report that our demographic has changed significantly over the past six months, and we've got a lot of hotshot millennials listening to the show. But you write here, Brock, no one cares about your resume, just finished work. Would you like to touch on that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, I think that's what you think at first. Um, I've even heard, like, to give a different example outside of the spectrum, stand-up comedians who spend more time on their website than their jokes. It's kind of like that with everything. Um, <laughs> you can't just, you know, you can't just keep making a better and better resume. That's just what you do when you're distracted and, and not doing the work, whatever it is. Um, so you can keep redesigning your website. You can keep posting on social media. I mean, some of that's relevant, some of it's not. But looking on social media all day is absolutely not relevant. Uh, compared to the two, you know, watching versus doing, you should always do. Um, like, for example, I've heard some people that will kind of wait around for, you can wait around for like two years or a lifetime and just kind of piddle with this and that and move slowly in the right direction. But if you just take action, a lot of those things where you're like not really sure and are scared to take action for two years, you can probably learn all that in about a month of just doing it. Some of the things that I've done that kind of relate to that might be uh, filmmaking, putting a website up, um, just doing small things. But I just go ahead and put it out there. I mean, you can you can start a website today and post an article and publish it on Reddit, and it could get 10,000 viewers in a few days. I mean, if that once you kind of get going, it's a snowball effect there. Um, I've got a Medium account that's only got a few hundred viewers on it, I think, or subscribers. But now, as long as I'm putting work on there every day, that number kind of rolls as well. And Medium's a writing platform. But everything's kind of the same way. I think the biggest problem with millennials, and I had this problem myself definitely for the last eight years, is just kind of going uh, one step in 20 directions versus 20 steps in one direction. And you might not know exactly what it is, but just taking that action is the most important thing. So fixing your resume and doing it a 100 times, no one cares. Um, you just need to go put out the work. When you start putting out every day or as often as possible, whatever your routine is, do it Do it to that routine and stick with it. But people care about the finished work, the finished project. They want to see what you're doing. They want to see it done. They want to see your style. Um, it's the difference between showing someone a trailer and getting them to read a screenplay. I mean, it's, it's a two-minute thing that they can see it's already done, and that's what people need to do. I mean, you can't just keep adjusting. You just need to kind of dive in and, and go for it. Oh, yeah. Amen, brother. Folks, I want to reiterate a point that Brock just made. And then, Joe, I'm going to hand it to you for our last couple minutes here with our guest. This segment, Brock Swenson. Brock Swenson, TrumpandConquer.com. And, Brock, we'll definitely want to bring you back for another segment here down the road since we did have to uh, cut this segment a little bit short. Because I really want to jump into each of these uh, key points that you're mentioning uh, a little bit with a little bit uh, deeper perspective. But, folks, you heard it. Between watching versus doing... You should always do. Joe, I'm going to hand it over to you. Yeah, and Brock, uh, what you just said is, is so true. Um, and, and, you know, the best way to learn, at least in my experience, is, is through um, taking the action. And even if you make mistakes, that that's one of the mm-hmm. – uh, correcting those mistakes and moving forward from there is one of the biggest learning curves you can, you can give yourself. And I, mm-hmm. I'm guilty of this to the procrastination at times with certain issues. Uh, but just you described it perfectly, taking 20 steps in one direction instead of taking, uh, or, or yeah, 20 steps in different directions instead of taking the 20 steps in the one direction. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, how it brought up this, uh, you know, TV and internet culture, but there seems to be, at least in my life, um, 
it seems like I'm always doing that. And, you know, I'll focus on what I need to get done, but then from there, uh, I'm, I'm moving around in, in circles, you know, half the time. And, and I guess what you said is, is very accurate. We need to, um, I mean, make a list, make, make a, you know, to-do list and, and don't overburden yourself with certain things and, and, um, you know, take action on what you want to get done. Because John and I were talking today about what we believe, uh, you know, he asked me about the, the Christian church. Will we ever see the Christian church, you know, get behind, uh, the, you know, the truth movement and stand up for Christianity, stand up for truth? And I, I told him, I don't think so. Not until all the, the creature comforts are taken away. Can you, uh, get into a little bit more of the mentality of why people, they, they have, an idea. They, 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 maybe they want to start Twitter, social media, websites, whatever, to get their message out, their idea, but they refuse to do so for, for different fears. What are some of the things that you see hindering people most with, um, whether it's in social media, getting their message out, or whether it's, uh, venturing into the unknown? What, what are the fears? People doubt themselves. Uh, what else do you see as big problems in those areas? It's definitely internal doubt. I mean, the first, your know, logic would make you think that it's just they don't have enough information. But with the Internet, we have every answer to, you know, every question ever asked in our pocket with a cell phone. Um, so I really think it's more about just taking the steps. I mean, you might not know, you know, if you don't know how to cook something, um, you don't start just trying to, like, put everything together. You need to kind of follow a recipe. And even if it's something you don't know how to do, Likely someone's done either the same thing or something similar before. You can, there's so much information out there. I mean, the internet, YouTube, things like that, it's almost you can do it for free. Um, I'll say one other thing that you mentioned about starting a to-do list. Um, some of that can almost be distracting. I know, I know at one point I was spending more time making lists than actually doing things. And, and really what the difference would be is every day as a writer, I'm a freelance writer, full-time and entrepreneur. Um, I have a to-do list, um, like on one app, and I have another uh, daily habit list on another app. And what those are, it's like one you check off and you're done with it, you don't have to do it anymore. The other one, you have to do it every single day. Um, for me, that me, um, for Monday, Monday, for example, I write four articles about Walking Dead and five about politics every single day, or every weekday. Um, those are things I have to do every day. But those are things I get paid to do. To be an entrepreneur, you have to do all the things you don't get paid to do. Um, for example, I have to post on other websites where I don't get paid, but I'm hoping there's a longer return at, in the end. And so it's really a difference between knowing the difference between your, you know, you could say assets and liabilities, but it's your to-do list and your daily habits. And one of the apps I use is Way of Life, and it's almost just like a checklist that's always there. It almost like punishes you if you're not doing it because you have to say yes or no at the end of it. Okay, and we only have about a minute and a half left before the end of the segment. What advice would you give the people um, to to help them break their routines, to get out of their comfort zone, uh, to take more chances, more you know, and and be more active? That's a good question. Um, just the quickest thing you could do is try and find a mentor one way or the other. You don't really want to go up and ask someone to be your mentor, but if you can find someone and kind of replicate what they're doing or or see that. You can skip a lot of those steps. You're going to make the mistakes, and they can just tell you really quickly. Um, keep it short. Ask them a question. They can answer in like five minutes, and ask them, and then that's your first step and many steps to being what you want to achieve. Perfect. Uh, Brock's website, trumpandconquer.com. That's trumpandconquer.com. Um, a lot of very relevant stories I see up there, and, and forgive me, Brock. This is the first time visiting your website, um, but. Yeah. 
important news and information. And this is something that you're doing daily is, is continuing to update the content and uh, keeping that rolling. Absolutely, yeah. We're trying to keep it going daily, and we're taking some feedback. If you see it and like certain stories, you know, share those, let us know, and we're going to move in the direction of our audience. That's what you got to do to, you know, uh, continue to, to tell the truth and um, Absolutely. go where the people want you to take it because that, that'll definitely keep you relevant. Brock, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. wish we had more time. I know John will, will book you to come back on in, in the future and, and look forward to having you back. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. You have a good evening. Wait. Brock, thank you so much, sir. Quick quick note to all the Hagman listeners, to-do list and a daily habit list. There's tools for your toolbox right there. Joe, I'll make that my final comment as well. Thank you so much for bringing me in here in this hour one. Well, thanks for being on with us. And, again, uh, Brock Swinson, thank you so much. Trumpandconquer.com. That's Trumpandconquer.com. And, and John Robertson, thank you so much for joining us. And, uh and taking the the uh, huge portion of that last interview that was uh, very insightful and I look forward to bringing Brock on again in the future when we come back we will be joined by the uh, first segment coming back Andrew Kerr from thecitizensaudit.com and the segment after that Angela Warren you remember her she was the, the Pizzagate Twitter that got banned the day she came on our show but when we come back first up Andrew Kerr don't go anywhere Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. But what Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right? You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG rechargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth of what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas for fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an MOK. For investors, Timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash... 
trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com, PreciousTimberProfits.com. And welcome back, folks, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for your belief and your trust in us. We've got a great uh, segment lined up for you right now. On the line is Andrew Kerr, citizensaudit.com. You remember him from, well, from many things. He's a citizen's, but he's a citizen journalist, citizen researcher, and he's a a damn good one, let me tell you. if he gets on your, if he, if he gets your scent, get out of the way. Or surrender now. <laughs> the citizensaudit.com. Andrew, welcome to the program, sir. Thanks, Doug. Glad to be back on. Uh, glad to have you. So we left off, I think it was just after the, uh, Vault 7, right? The first release of Vault 7. Yeah, first release of yeah. Vault 7. Where are we at? Where are we at with this? Yeah, so the, the first release of Vault 7, uh, from my point of view, was WikiLeaks releasing the capabilities of the CIA's hacking arsenal. Um, and there's a big story in there as well about you know, how it got leaked in the first place, you know, how the, the hacking arsenal um, was distributed in such a way that it, it managed to kind of spread around and get into the hands of WikiLeaks in the first place. Since then, there's been... Two releases. Okay. Uh, one in late March, uh, or mid-March called Dark Matter, uh, which was a, a collection of several CIA projects aimed at infecting, um, Apple, uh, products. Right. So iPhone or, uh, Mac computers. Uh, that one was kind of a dud. Uh, most of the items that, uh, WikiLeaks released were older vulnerabilities that Apple said, you know, hey, we, we fixed these issues back in 2013. Um, you know, as long as you're not using a, uh, old iPhone or, or, um, you know, really old, uh, computer software, then, you know, we've already patched up those capabilities. The third part, however, was, uh, codenamed Marble Framework, which has some much more serious implications. Uh, essentially, uh, level 100 review was, it is a release of the CIA's, uh, anti-forensic capabilities that can essentially obfuscate uh, the the digital fingerprints of the CIA, um, and the implications of this are quite massive. Because, for instance, the WikiLeaks statement um, for Marble Framework has said that you know there were test samples from the CIA in Chinese, Russian, Korean, Arabic, and Farsi, and the the implication of this is that the CIA could. It, do whatever the CIA does, and then 
modify or obfuscate their digital fingerprint, change it to Russian or some other language to make it look like it didn't come from the CIA. Misdirected attribution. Yep, that's that's the term that they that yep. they use. Yep. So now we know how the CIA obfuscates. So now, um, essentially, what somebody could do with the with the right know-how and actually reviewing the code that that WikiLeaks published was that you know somebody can go from I was hacked to oh wow I was hacked by the CIA because now we know what their digital fingerprint looks like. Um, it's an incredibly devastating leak. And from what I've read and what I understand about this is that the CIA may have to go through and rework a lot of its capabilities because their their processes were pretty much leaked by by WikiLeaks. It's very damaging, and the the implications of them having the CIA having the capability to um, essentially reattribute the the hacking to uh, a foreign intelligence service or really anything but the CIA. Um, it brings into question a lot of, you know, just the current events. It's hard to look at something now and, and say, hey, well, you know, are we sure that the CIA had something to do with this or not? Um, especially with the the recent um, uh, wiretapping revelations, uh, incidental collection of uh, of Trump transition officials right. Uh, right. during the presidential transition period. Okay, okay. then let me let me back up and ask you this: any is there any situation on the on the current events within the current events landscape where you could you you would say or you could say uh, that's not Russia that did this, whether it's DNC or I mean you name the hacking event and you could say now this this looks more like the CIA as opposed to uh, Russia and I suppose that not only hacking but the uh, obtaining—I I don't know—hacking is not the right word, I, I guess, uh, when it comes to, like, for example, the DNC or Podesta emails or whatever. Um, it would be more of a collection and then an uploading, but it, 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 reversing, uh, going yeah, backwards. Um, yeah. Go um, ahead. Before Trump was inaugurated, the the intelligence community came out with that report, you know, showing their proof. Or you know their reasoning to suspect that Russia was behind a lot of the, the hacks during the election, and they specifically called out that the fingerprints of the hacks can be attributed to um, you know th- this Russian hacking organization that uh, has connections to the to the Kremlin. And so, what, what WikiLeaks published was the capabilities of the CIA. They didn't. They, they've never released in Vault Seven so far, at least from what I've seen. Any specific instances of here's how they actually use those capabilities. We just know that the CIA has the ability to, uh, just for example, hack into the DNC, change the the digital footprint, make it look like it came from a Russian source. I'm not saying that's what happened, but they have the capabilities. And now that we know that they have those capabilities, it, it, everything, in my opinion, kind of is up for question now. Do we know whether the the CIA was involved or not? Yeah, how can we that the the trust is is eroding um you know on the on any official reports that you know you refer to digital footprints of a of a foreign adversary Andrew, I imagine um you know a lot of companies in the tech world 
paid attention to, to this latest release. But what do you think about the average everyday American? Um, maybe they read about it, maybe they don't. Is there anything that, I mean, that would, they could or would do to shore up their systems to see if they were, I mean, what, is, what does the average American, when they look at this information, do you think it makes any difference um, to them? Well, uh, first of all, always keep your software up to date. Um, whenever a, a software company publishes a, an update, that they're kind of publicizing the existence of a flaw in the software. So anybody that's not currently up to date is more at risk. So always stay up to date. Um, I think that software companies, even if they don't make it public, if their software is implicated in what WikiLeaks is you know, coming out with, then they're they're taking a look at it and making sure that these holes have already been patched. Uh, for instance, the uh, the Dark Matter release of Part 2 of Vault 7, Apple came out shortly afterwards and said that, hey, these these issues have been fixed at the latest 2013. So they are taking it seriously. Keep your software up to date. That's, uh, that's Computing 101. Um, I have a quote from, uh, I'm probably going to butcher his last name, but from uh, John... Caraco, a former CIA analyst and whistleblower, and he his quote is, Americans don't want to believe that the CIA is even capable of this type of thing, um, you know, monitoring surveillance of Americans. And he said that most Americans don't remember the bad old days in the 1950s and the first half of the 70s when the CIA was spying on American citizens, it was conducting surveillance, it was conducting experience on citizens, uh, and people have uh, forgotten that. I think that Americans are far, far too quick to give the CIA the benefit of the doubt. And so um, that was a striking quote to me, and it, and it harkens back to the press release of Part 1 of WikiLeaks, where they said that part of our intention of publishing these documents is to strike a public conversation about the CIA's capabilities. And I think that uh, that's an important thing, is for us to, to be aware of uh of the capabilities that the CIA has. And, you know, for me, the, the, the Fourth Amendment is an important thing. Um, if you want to, if the government wants to surveil a citizen, they need to get a warrant. And right. if they're doing warrantless, you know, mass warrantless surveillance on American citizens, then, you know, I personally take issue to that. And, and we all should. Let yeah. me ask you this. The, uh, what WikiLeaks released in, in the part three, um, the marble framework, uh, we can't obviously go back in time and tell, you know, one of the big things with hacking was the the Sony uh, movie. They said North Korea hacked Sony and, and uh, that movie with uh, Kim Jong-il in it or something like the assassination of Kim Jong-il, and they blame that on North Korea. Uh, but we can't yeah. go back and, and tell, you know, where that came from, if that was true or not. Does this release, would this and has this release be able to stop, at least temporarily, any future cyber attacks that would be misdirected to be blamed on a, on a, on a nation? Or is it depending on the network, depending on who, um, where where it came from, and where what they're hacking into? I think that um, any reports that that come out, like for instance, the if North Korea you know is suspected of hacking another <laughs> movie company for um, you know publishing a or coming out with a comedy movie against their dear leader, then and you know the government comes out and says, yeah, North Korea is behind this. I think that with WikiLeaks, I me personally, I would look at that with a grain of salt, and I'd like to get another level of verification because there's always going to be that shadow of the doubt looking at these reports that, well, 
was it the CIA? Because we know that they have the ability to mess around with the fingerprints. Yeah, I mean, it's um, in reading uh, a number of different sources uh, and uh, security experts and analysts, that you have some difference of opinions, and it seems to to go along how much somebody's willing to admit that the CIA and the government is willing to spy on people and and, and do these malicious acts. But um, the security researcher for the International Computer Science Institute, Nicholas Weaver, said this appears to be one of the most technically damaging leaks ever done by WikiLeaks, as it seems designed to directly disrupt ongoing CIA operations. Do you believe that there it will be a disruption or has been a disruption of CIA operations directly related to the, the leaks of vaults, what's in Vault 7? Oh, absolutely. Uh, because before these revelations, somebody would just say, well, I'm hacked. And now um, that WikiLeaks is dumping the the code and the and the actual capabilities. And that's what they started doing with Part 3. They you know, Before, they were just releasing documentation and the capabilities, but now they're actually releasing the code. Um, now somebody could theoretically find out that, oh, I was hacked by the CIA. Um, and that, yes, that's incredibly damaging that um, something like that can be attributed back to the the federal government, whereas before it was, I think I'm hacked by the CIA or, or whatnot, but now somebody can say for sure. If they're still using these techniques that were published, then, then yeah, somebody can go back and, I mean, everything that you do in a computer leaves digital footprints. And so now we know how the, the CIA modifies those digital footprints, and that modification leaves digital footprints as well. So that's that's how you can find it. We know what it looks like. We can find out factually. Somebody can determine, yeah, the CIA hacked me. So much, that's much different than just saying that the, the CIA hacked me or that, that I've, well, I've been hacked, but I don't know by who. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I don't want to take you off any any any, any uh, direction you know you don't want to go, um, but I'm just curious: does the NSA play any role in this at all, um, or is it just specifically the CIA? And, and how does this apply um, if if it does, with respect to the um, uh, what we saw with um, the uh, surveillance of Donald Trump and, and everything? Precisely, how does this apply, and, and uh, Susan Rice allegedly and such, if we can tie some ends there. If not, no worries. Yeah, um, on, on the NSA, everything that I've read from the WikiLeaks Vault 7 has been on the CIA, so no comment on the, the NSA. And yeah, it's an interesting thought experiment with, you know, we know that Transcripts of conversations between uh, Trump officials and foreign targets were collected, and the names of American citizens were unmasked by uh, by the government, and those names were then you know, leaked to the press. And now the more recent reports are alleging that conversations that had nothing to do with Russia. Uh, that were totally unrelated, you know, more akin to just, you know, political strategy discussions were also, were also being surveilled upon and, uh, names were being unmasked from, from that. Mm-hmm. And so the more we know about the hacking capabilities of, of the government, you know, the, the first release in the beginning of March, uh, the, the big takeaway from that was that, uh, the CIA could, could hack a smart TV 
and turn it into a essentially a covert microphone and collect the audio of anybody that's that's talking around it. So um, you know, so much information was uh, collected on Trump transition officials, and it would be interesting to know exactly how that was collected. We we don't know that yet, and if they were using any of these capabilities, then that would make for a very a very interesting discussion about you know how these covert hacking techniques played into um, the alleged spying on the on Trump transition officials. Got it. Okay. All right. Um, and again, I, we don't want to take any place, any direction you don't want to go. So if you you have some subjects that you want to uh, address that we haven't addressed in in the last 15 minutes or so, go ahead. Um, whether it be Vault 7, excuse me, Vault 7, or, or some other aspects of the, the uh, CIA hacking um, enterprise, I suppose, is looking at it this way. It's incredible, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting, and, and it to me, this is, again, this is a discussion on um, our Fourth Amendment rights against warrantless search and seizure, and What's really scary about the, to me, about the uh, alleged spying on uh, Trump transition officials, especially if it had nothing to do with um, anything to do with Russia or any, you know, if there wasn't any incidental collection, they just were spying on them anyway. Um, it, that's that's an important thing, and, and I always like to look at these things as if, you know, it was me, mm-hmm. uh, just personally. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't want uh my conversations you know with uh with you on a private line to be recorded and then you know me potentially being being blackmailed um by uh by the government i mean that's senator Rand paul um earlier today he he kind of alluded to that that you know this was a you know political uh data collection on you know the obama administration their political Adversaries, the incoming Trump administration, um, and he's actually calling for you know reforms of the intelligence community um, to you know prevent them from you know prevent private citizens from essentially being blackmailed through unmasking. Um, he noted that for one uh, period of time, I believe it was a month, he said all the phone calls in Italy were were collected, and so if you can imagine all the all the data that would have been, you know, collected during that that surveillance, mm-hmm. and the names of, you know, any American that was talking to an Italian person, um, you know, there's prob- probably a lot of in- individuals, and you know, that that wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be just for those American citizens to be unmasked, you know, without a warrant or you know, without a trial, because I mean, people's reputations can be permanently damaged by just you know, unsubstantiated claims, right. um, and you know that. The way our, our system works is that you need to get a, get a warrant by independent judge and, you know, it, innocent until proven guilty. And a lot of the things that have been coming out against the, uh, the Trump administration, I mean, most notably Flynn, um, you know, he was essentially proving he was guilty before, he was just guilty in the public eye before, you know, given a trial or, or, or really anything. Right. This is a character assassination. And this isn't me trying to, you know, defending Flynn or, Really giving my opinion on Flynn, but you know if he did something wrong, then he did something wrong. But you know, he should be given a trial. He shouldn't just be you know judged guilty in the court of public opinion, you know, without 
due process. Exactly, and I, I agree with you on that. What, what about the hammer? Well, we've been hearing about the hammer, the uh, the supercomputer that, that does billions of uh, computations a second in um, in a military base. Where is it, Fort Meade? Do you, do you know much about that or anything about that, um, Montgomery? I'm sorry, I, I um I don't I I, okay. I can't comment on that. All right, all right. So, so reverting back to Vault Seven, we we have how many releases now total? Three, three. Three, okay. yeah. Okay. And, okay, so the... When you first came on, they said there was still like a 99% uh, content to go. Right. And yeah, so... I suspect I'm, it's that much. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of shocked by the, the speed of the rollout. You know, it's been about a month now, and there's only been three releases, and the second one didn't really make much of a wave at, at all. So um, I, I was expecting a lot more to be coming out, but, you know, maybe WikiLeaks is being strategic in this. Another thing that they noted... Uh, shortly after they released their the first dump was that they wanted to get a private line in with uh, technology companies whose software is impacted by uh, the, the the hacking capabilities of the CIA. Um, you know, most of what they've published so far, WikiLeaks is you know the capabilities and the documentation, not the actual code itself. I believe that most of the data is the actual code itself, right. and um, my understanding is that Julian Assange wants to provide software companies the actual code prior to public release so that when it is eventually released publicly, the software companies have already patched up the holes. So, right. you know, there would be no threat of, you know, just essentially innocent bystanders being affected by uh, a massive treasure trove of, of uh, hacking tools being released to everybody. All right. All right, sounds good. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's hypocritical to me, by the way. I just I just think, that, and this is kind of coming from left field, but to me, you've got uh, the uh, state of California going after the Center for Medical Progress for wiretapping charges or violation of the all party consent state in California to expose the body parts, alleged body parts trafficking by Planned Parenthood, yet you've got NSA out there vacuum, vacuuming up every conversation uh, from every American without warrant, and uh, there's no outrage over that, yet you've got the outrage over um, over the um, um, uh, securing of, uh, covert securing of surveillance of Planned Parenthood. Uh, but, but then that's my thing uh, there, Andrew. I mean, that, that's, that, that's my current, or my uh, specific um Bias, but having said that, what else about Vault Seven that uh, that we need to know, or anything related to Vault Seven? Um, I think it's just having this conversation about uh, the the CIA's hacking capabilities. Um, should it be all right? Should, uh, I'd like to see you know, more of a a public conversation about uh, a government surveillance. What where's that? Where's, where should the line be drawn the uh, for you know privacy that to sacrifice in, in the name of safety um, I was hoping to see more of a discussion on you know, on that level in, in the media but especially these past two two leaks by by WikiLeaks it's you know they didn't make nearly enough of a wave that yeah. you know, maybe they were expecting yeah um, a lot of the mainstream media sources just didn't cover it at all. 
Um, but, but, but the the last two really speak to. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think how to frame it. I, I, I know the capabilities. Obviously, we saw that in in the first one. The second one, capabilities as well. I suppose that that's a common theme. But the the most recent two leaks um, exposing. Um, for a layperson like me, to tell me again what it exposes to to a layperson like me. Yes, yeah, so um, it, it essentially exposes the, the the fingerprints left by the the CIA right. when they when they're hacking. And so, with now that we know what those fingerprints look like and what it looks like when they obfuscate the um, their trail to make it look like it's another um, a target, such as Russia, China, Korea. Or, uh, or any Arabic com- uh, country. Um, those are some of the, the languages that were provided in the WikiLeaks press release. Um, Andrew, what do you see happening from this, if anything? Do, do you see, um, do you see a cyber intrusion, cyber attack, a more aggressive attack on our infrastructure, perhaps, or banking, or anything? Um, no, at um, some point. Go ahead. I, I think that this is more more damaging towards the the CIA that you know, they're they're being exposed. Um, you mentioned that that quote from the uh, computer science expert that you know it's, it's incredibly damaging because now we we know what intrusions by the CIA look like on a uh, digitally, yeah. and so the the implication of this is that they're going to have to go through and rework um, a lot of their um, a lot of their techniques and. Um, I don't think that this would result in more attacks. It's just it's it's incredibly damaging towards the CIA just because we we know we know what it looks like. We we know what a CIA intrusion looks like exactly, whereas before we we didn't know what that what that looked like. What do you expect to see next? Here we got about a minute left. What do you expect to see next, my brother, with respect to Vault Seven or anything in in this in this venue? Um, I would like. I personally would like to would be interested in seeing more of the, the actual code, um, but I understand why that hasn't been released yet, um, and on a larger scale, um, they want to make sure that those holes are patched in the in the software before just putting it out, and that's the right thing to do. And I'm 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 hoping just to to see um, you know, more more along those lines. Um, it's on on the other hand though. I kind of don't want to learn learn more. You know, I hope that you know it's just like, yep, yeah, that that's it because it's uh, it is embarrassing towards the the CIA and it's uh, it's you know, I in in my perfect world, I would have trust in my country's intelligence community. You know, see, it's our uh, that our adversaries that we should be concerned about. But here we are. We're you know we have to be concerned about. Um, the home team, in addition to the away team. So, um, so I guess we'll just we'll, we'll have to see um, right. what comes next. Andrew, thanks for doing marvelous out. work, brother. Yeah, keep up the Thank good you. work. Thanks for joining us tonight, that, folks. That's Andrew Kerr from thecitizensaudit.com. You're definitely going to be hearing more from him in the near future. Oh yeah, you take care, Andrew. Thank you. We'll be right back with Angela Warren after this. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. 
shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Masterpreps.com, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from cooking utensils, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely. Eric's a, it's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Chang Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Army's kit at www.changelesswoods.com. Your life may depend on it. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Angela is a tremendous citizen journalist. She has got, she has researched, um, uh, I mean, hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of uh, the Pedogate issue. And some people think it's gone away. Some people think, well, everyone's backed down from it. You know, that's the furthest thing from the truth out, out there. Uh, people like Angela are still active. Uh, however, Angela got her original uh, Twitter feed taken down, 
and I think she's back up now, right? Yeah. There, there it is. Okay. She's back up under a different name. Right, okay. But, yeah. but exactly. And, and folks, on the screen right now, you can see, if you're watching this live via YouTube, you can see, of course, her, because we took a screen capture of this and we downloaded a lot of the links from her, uh, from her previous YouTube. So there, or from her previous, uh, uh Twitter. So there it is there. Um, however, now she's back up and running. Angela, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me again. Well, it's thank you for coming on. So where are we uh, with this whole issue, your investigation, your findings, your survival, your everything? Where are we? Well, right now my hands are kind of tied and my feet are kind of tied on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I first got back that first day, and you have to remember the first day I had very few followers compared to before, but I was getting so much traffic, like the first 24 hours, and then it just kind of stopped. I kind of had an idea that they had probably began begun shadow banning me, and then um, people started um, messaging me and telling me that, that my messages wouldn't show up in their feed, that they have to come to my um, my page to see it. So I kind of had an idea, and now, as of today, like everything I post is considered sensitive material, and I actually can't see anything um, any original post that people send me um, if they tag me in it because it automatically gets marked as sensitive to me. And if I try to change my settings, it redirects me to my old email address. So I'm not quite sure what to do yet. So, but if that's, I just wanted to say that in case people are still sending me stuff and they think I'm ignoring them. <laughs> so they're trying to, uh-huh. they're doing their best to cover over as much as they can. Okay, you know the push. The push for this to be fake news is so is so hard. I just it, it astounds me because, first of all, it's this has been misrepresented in the media, and this has been to some extent misrepresented in the in the, in the independent media. I know Alex Jones for one from Infowars. Um, he got a lot of flack for issuing an apology. I'm not going to comment on that. Quite frankly, because I cannot speak for him, although I will be on his show tomorrow, folks, in case you're wondering. Um, but that's not going to be a topic, I don't believe. But having said all of that, what are your, where are we at with, with, uh, the actual subject and the investigation itself? Um, aside from being shadow banned everywhere and not being able to talk about this, what, what have you found that makes you believe or perhaps makes you believe in less of the subject. Well, I think that's a very important to talk about because Pedogate, as some people know, is the worldwide, you know, child trafficking network. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it's entertainment, really disgusting entertainment for the elite of the society. And it's also run by the very top. This is how they can get away with it. This is how they can traffic 30-something children over a border with no problems. That The average person couldn't pull something like that off. Um, but Pizzagate, and this is the important point to make, Pizzagate is the D.C., the Washington, D.C. faction of a global pedophile network. And so the media is purposely misrepresenting it as though it's all just one pizza shop. Now, granted, that pizza shop has been implicated as a possible suspect, of, you know, Pizzagate, but it never originated with Alex Jones. It originated with John Podesta's WikiLeaks because it is a term that um, pedophiles use to be able to talk about child porn out in the open. You can um, 
you can look at like the Urban Dictionary and the number one post for cheese pizza, and this was from 2010, way before fake news, and you'll see that cheese pizza is a word for child porn, and of course child porn is basically sex with a child. Okay, but so you'll see a lot of, so that's where the word pizza actually comes from. It's not because of just some pizza shop. The word pizza was used a lot in his emails, and then what it did was it started making people look into the fact that there was a pedophile network in D.C., and then we were able to read about the finders, which was, well, it sounds to me like it was a CIA-ran operation, but the wife of the guy who was, the two that were running it, she was CIA, and this happened in like 87, and this was out of D.C. They were procuring children for the elite, and it wasn't just rape of children. They were actually using satanic rituals against them, sometimes torturing them and sometimes killing them, and this is what we've been seeing with Pizzagate and with Pedogate. The people that tend to enjoy this activity don't just stop at rape a lot of times. They do a lot of other disgusting things. So once you find out that the finders, then that investigation actually got shut down completely by the CIA. It really makes you start to wonder, is it just continuing? Did it ever really get shut down? Did it just get more kind of buried? And so we look into it, and the more you look into it, and the reason the media doesn't just want you to think it stops at a pizza shop is because it's very easy to prove it true once you know what the real implications are. Once you start to see that, oh, gosh, there really is. Barney Frank one time said he would out half of Congress as pedophiles, and there's really good people in the intelligence agencies that have already said that it's like a third of our government at least. And then I actually pulled up a WikiLeaks that I was going to read in a minute. I feel like I've talked a whole lot, so I don't know if you guys have a point. People can hear us any time. It's you that they want to hear now, so it's your time. Okay. Well, I pulled this up because I really think this is really important to have more attention. And if you know WikiLeaks, it's a 100% track record for 10 years. They've never had one spot or blemish on their record because they only publish verified emails. And a lot of times they get their information from intelligence that leaks it. But there's one from the Global Intelligence Files, and this was released in 2012, but the email is from 2007. And it's actually referring to President Bush obstructing justice. I'm going to read just part of it in just this one little paragraph, if you don't mind. He obstructed justice last December when he had senior advisor Carl Rove and the White House counsel Harriet Myers instruct Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez to fire eight U.S. attorneys who were among several others conducting ongoing public corruption and national security grand jury investigations connected to an espionage-linked prostitution, and here's the part that matters, slash pedophile sex ring operating at the Washington Ritz-Carlton and other D.C. hotels, whose clients included U.S. senators, congressmen, elite Washington news reporters, and high government officials, some of whom were named by the intelligence insider. So the reason they don't want people understanding the real term of Pizzagate and what it implies is because you start finding things like that, and you know for a fact that George Bush, why would our president obstruct justice into a pedophile sex ring that is 
obviously it says, you know, it's not just your average Joe saying it or Ritz Carlton, and it involved congressmen and senators and media elite. This is exactly what we've been saying Pizzagate is. This is a real email verified, and this is from 2007, years before the term fake news was brought up to try to distract from it. So my point is the more you look into it, the more you see that it is true, and you will be disgusted, and then you want justice for these children. Amen. Exactly, yeah. All right, and this obviously predates anything. 2007 predates the current discussion and the current subject matter. And this is so repulsive to me, and I've gotten emails saying, well, why would you even, why are you even talking about this? Why do you continue to talk about this? And I believe this action, these actions, Angela, to me, this is the currency, in addition to money, being the currency of politics, I believe that the child uh, trafficking is also the uh, currency of politics as well. Uh, and and it's sad, sad to say, um, and that goes into, of course, the um, uh, even the satanic ritual abuse aspect and the god, the, the, the gods being worshipped by the by the mm-hmm. politicians and the leaders themselves, the small g, not 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 god of of heaven but but having said that yeah um okay so <laughs> why angela why aren't we hearing more about this i have, have have the have they been so successful they meaning the press and the people in charge have they been so successful in shutting us down or or at least quieting us through shadow banning and other things that i mean what's going on here and why haven't there been more arrests now there've been uh, how many Thousands, right, of, of arrests of, of pedophiles since uh, Donald Trump has taken office. There's been over like 3,000. Okay. <laughs> That's huge news. 3,000 arrests so far, at least, of um, trafficking, of this trafficking network. And they always leave out good details in these articles. They always misrepresent stories, and they downplay things, and they use, you know, spin city on their, you know, they spin the the true terminology to, to downplay everything, you know, referring to little children who have been abducted, who are kept in cages, referring to them as call boys and child and prostitutes. That's a smack in the face. These children are victims. They've been abducted off the street. They're, their parents are missing some of these children. They're kidnapped. They're being gang raped at parties, tortured. They get starved and, and they get hung from the ceiling and we're, and our media is calling it a call boy, or they're calling them a prostitute. There's a clear reason why they're doing this, and there's a lot of compromised media. Um, Operation Mockingbird, excuse that, sorry, we don't use our house phone, and it rings very seldom. No worries. <laughs> but but um, Operation Mockingbird is where there is um, CIA, it's kind of infiltrated the media and kind of helps to run the narrative for the globalists, you know, and, oh God, this is going to drive me crazy. But, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's all right. It happens to us, too. Believe it, we have, a, we have a phone in the studio. Sometimes we forget to turn it off. We always forget to turn it back on. But, uh, yeah. so, so no worries. Uh, yeah, okay. So, okay. But, so they're covering for it. They're covering for themselves and right. others. Some of them are just very much 
there's probably a few that are just really ignorant to it all that probably don't know that just kind of rely on whatever their producer tells them to report. So I think it's a, it's a little bit of everything. Okay. And uh, they, oh, go ahead. No, no, uh, I, I'm I'm glad you. Uh, no, I'm I'm just because I'm trying I'm trying to get a handle on this. And I was also told here this past weekend that there will there's some people that are teaming up with law enforcement and and pseudo law enforcement you have to read between the lines there folks uh agencies to um to go out and to expose even more of what's taking place and i say that i really can't i can't i just can't say more than that but but you're going to be hearing more and more about this but um okay uh what have you heard anything about the emails on the Anthony Weiner computer? No, we're just all desperate to hear like um, what is on them—the six hundred fifty thousand supposed blackmail right. um, emails, because that's what that's what uh, pro- was it Operation Brownstone, Project Brownstone, where you know it is a known CIA thing to um, they find these politicians compromised in their worst, you know, and like like people have brought up before, it's not enough anymore to just be kind of like in the closet gay or cheating on your wife. It's like really nowadays that's so acceptable in our culture that it has to be, you know, they have to catch you raping a child on there, you know. And so this is what a lot of people have been saying is that Anthony Weiner's emails are um, – actually some of the biggest politicians and leaders of the world um, being caught on camera doing some very, very disgusting things. And it sounds to me like some are even kind of violent and even more sinister than what the average person can handle. Right. And I think that's why the NYPD would actually have um, nightmares. And they, you know, I think they referred to Hillary Clinton as the Antichrist. And I think they meant it. I don't think it was like just some kind of like cut down. I think they really thought she was completely evil. But um, mm. and I wanted to bring up one more point. We were just talking about Donald Trump with the um, the arrest. There's a big reason. There's three major reasons why people won't hear about that on the mainstream media. The um, disgusting, you know, dirt ran mainstream media. And that's because there's three reasons. One, they don't want to give Donald Trump credit. They don't want him to look like he's doing a good job. People would really think, gosh, what was Obama doing all this time? If he's already, you know, taken up like 3,000 uh, predators, what in the world was Obama doing? And they don't want to give Trump credit where credit's due. He's not even been in office, what, three months? I don't even think. Um, and and then two, um, they don't want to give any credibility. and it, it, They don't want to point any fingers over to the topic of pedo-gay, pizza-gay. Because every time you hear of another sex trafficking bus, another child trafficking bus, um, it really is all it's doing is it's kind of verifying everything we've been saying. And three, and I think this is one of the biggest reasons, I, I think they're going to do everything in their power not to get caught, not to be exposed. But in the event that they do, if the, you know, if Donald Trump really does uh, succeed by the grace of God of arresting some of the high-profile people, Probably like the Nancy Pelosi's and the, you know, the Harry Reid's, and I'm just, and I'm not saying 100% that they are. I'm just saying probably that type of, um, you know, politician that high up. Um, they want it to appear like it came out of nowhere. 
They've already been painting this picture that he's like this Nazi dictator and that he's just, you know, and I think what they'll try to do is if they get to that point, which I think they'll do everything to avoid that, but if they do, they'll probably paint it as though Trump is just locking up all his political adversaries, you know, like, oh, he's just a, he's illegitimate, he's a Russian dictator, you know, all these million different names they give him. And that's why I think they're doing their best to bury it as well, is they need to keep the topic kind of under wraps. So if and when those busts do happen, it's going to appear like it just came out of nowhere. And like he's just arresting, you know, just every Democrat or Republican that spoke out against him. And that's just my opinion, but it's kind of what I'm seeing with the narrative they're making. And we can look at, you know, the latest example from yesterday and today, the Susan Rice story. I mean, she came out and admitted she did the unmasking and did so at the, and gathered the intelligence at the behest of the president. But you still have news outlets like CNN and ABC saying, oh, it's a completely, you know, debunked, not true story and Trump's crazy. I mean, just everything, you know, reiterating what you said, just changing a few talking points. I don't think they could get caught red-handed. I don't think they'll ever tell the truth. I mean, there could be videos released, and they'd say, oh, that's not me. That was done by computers. These people will never admit to what they're doing, not about themselves or anybody else. And I think um, that's going to be a hard wall to get over as far as bringing these people to justice. It's the Clinton playbook. I mean, it's what we've seen with her throughout the decades. You just deny, 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 call it a, a right-wing conspiracy or, you know, whatever you can pin it on. Um, and then if you look back, how many right-wing conspiracies were actually fact with her? That's what the media is doing now. And so what they do is they just deny it as conspiracy. Even Susan Rice denied it all. And then, like, two weeks later, she gets proven as a liar and that everything was even worse than they thought. And then what do they do? They just spin the story as though it was justified. Everything is just justified. When actual, I mean, in reality, it's awful. You know, it's just awful. And the worst thing is there's so many people that don't want to come to grips that Trump is just not a bad guy because he's got a bold personality, you know, and he's just kind of, he can be brash, but I love that about him. But some people aren't going to like that. So they're willing to accept whatever they're told because they don't want to go back and rewind and think, maybe I was wrong about him, you know. Maybe he's not so bad. They just want, oh, it was justified. Oh, it was to keep us safe from Russia. Oh, okay. And I mean, they're not using common sense. They're not using critical thinking. I mean, at this point, the man was spied on an insane amount. Um, and it's been proven now and they still don't have any real ties with Russia. And in fact, the ones that are blaming him and, and putting that on him themselves have much more damning ties to Russia than Trump ever had. And you, like you said, they won't mention that. They need to create this narrative. They're desperate. And I've even seen where they pretended like a few months back that Russia might plant child porn on some people's accounts. I mean, I'm just like, how stupid do you have to be to believe this? You guys can't see them painting this narrative before your eyes what their excuses will be. And it just so, yeah, and it just so happens to be the people that uh, journalists like yourself were looking at or so, yeah, there's, there, thank you for and, saying that. And one of the things that you, you said there that's real important is if you want to learn, if you want to, to, to gain intelligence, especially in the truth movement, you have to be willing to accept the fact that you're wrong sometimes. Mm-hmm. And these people, for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. They either don't want to learn, they don't care about the truth, 
they just care about being right or their side being right. And that's yeah. um Well we don't get it right all the time. Man, that's a, a dangerous place to be uh and a dangerous place to have, you know, a huge amount of people brainwashed to be like we see today. And it, it's um I don't know. I don't know that we can ever come back from that. Yeah, and I actually used to be at one time a huge Bush fan. You know, his like country accent and he sounds just like a good old homeboy and, and, and now I see him and I think, golly, even his dad, can they just wheel him into jail? I don't, you know, <laughs> I love him and I hope they come to meet Christ, but at the end of the day, they still need to pay for what they've done. And I mean, I feel like I just want to see them all on trial. And, and what people don't realize is that the Bush family, the Clinton family, the Obama family, they're just all cut from the same cloth. They might play different parts on the outside, but behind closed doors, they're about exactly the same, you know, and that's something that people don't want to come to terms with, you know, because like you said, they just don't want to be wrong. And unfortunate, you, you'll never know the truth in life if you can't ever accept that you were wrong at times. You'll never know the truth. And I would rather live in, in reality, you know, I would rather live in reality and it be ugly than to live in a complete bubble and not realize that outside of that bubble that it was terrible and never know anything about it and that children were suffering the whole time because they are. Sadly, that's true. And, you know, I, I, I first met my, uh, uh, just candidly, I, I first realized, you know, I first got my, I got my first taste of this about 30 years ago in, in, my, in the investigation of my, the murder of my uncle. And um, I had no clue as to how large this situation was, even back then. And, and now coming full circle to the politicians and the leaders and, and, uh, royalty and everything. Uh, this, this is incredible. And, there, and, and you said this at the beginning of the interview. There are a lot of other things that go on besides the pedophilia, uh, mm-hmm. aspect of it. Hey, there, there's there cannibalism. Was, I gotta tell you right now. Cannibalism, cannibalism you know, the, the blood, the rituals, the satanic, you yeah. know, rituals from Aleister Crowley writing about how to find a perfect Boy, child, victim to murder and sacrifice. Um, you know these these people have a, a thing with blood and 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 the flesh. He was, you know, Doctor Phil. The, there's been some emails that have come in that people have caught the Doctor Phil, the, the the child trafficking and the money that's made from them, and a few guests that appeared on his show. But then there was also um, a disturbing story. I want to make sure I get this right. That was today or yesterday that apparently a uh, a victim of some child trafficking ring talked about how they were sold to traffickers and, and these children were sold to other traffickers not for sexual use but literally for hunting is what they said mm-hmm. no I haven't verified that that's as far no as I've actually concerned. heard that a lot okay that's, but that's, you, a, that's an activity enjoyed by the elite the most dangerous game you know they've been even writing about it for a long time when you get so it's like drugs you know you start out with the gateway drugs and then eventually you don't get high from those so you move on to bigger and better things until you end up like a meth addict with no teeth in your mouth. And that's what these people do. They start out maybe by just looking at child porn, which is the rape of children on camera, and then they start enjoying it. They might molest their own children. And then it turns into um, these people are just so depraved and have everything, and they're above the law. And when you are above the law, because that's what they've been for so long, and you have everything at your fingertips, and you have gotten to a point where nothing excites you anymore, you would be surprised the depravity 
that is that they partake in. And um, I, I do want to give a few examples. I don't, I don't care if it's uncomfortable for people because if these children have to live it, the least we can do is discuss it, and maybe that will wake us up. But, I mean, they actually will gang rape infants, infants. Some of these children die in this act because it is so painful and brutal to their little bodies. And they have toddlers, and they keep them in cages, Cages like dogs, like little tiny dogs. You would, if you saw PETA, would go crazy if they saw animals being treated this way. And these are children, and they're being kept in cages and being starved. And they come out for these parties and they abuse them. They make them wear dog collars, eat feces. They gang rape them. And this is what we're not talking like. We're talking people that own castles and jets and run government. These are who are partaking in these things. And then you know you have where they will actually make the children participate in murder of a, of a baby or each other. They'll make them watch a homeless man get cut from here to here. They do things that are just so, like the average person can't even grasp one thing, but these children are put through pure hell, pure hell, and they're raped over and over and over, and they're they're just destroyed emotionally, physically, and there's, it's just such an ugly thing. And people need to understand that this is what's going on. This is what Pizzagate and Pedogate is actually about. It's not just a pedophile network. It's, it's the most destructive, wicked behavior. Do you think that all these kids that keep going missing, hundreds of thousands a year, do you really think they're just going to go put them all right back out on the street? These kids are like never seen again. Where do you think they ended up going? And they're just, they're just, they're really, they have to all be possessed by demons. The way I, I mean, I can't imagine Angela, being. I, I don't want to cut you off, but we're running out of time, and we only got about twenty seconds left. Tell people where okay. to find you on Twitter, and we'll have you back on here. And in, thank in you for making future. the sacrifice of your time and efforts. Oh, I'm sorry. I got a little bit upset a second no, ago. That's <laughs> okay. But I'm Pedo Gate Angelica. I was just being funny and changing my name a little, um, and I think it's at PG Angela Four. But um, if you look at Pedo Gate Angelica. And please, please, please go out and tell everyone that you can. It's everyone's responsibility, not only to put it on social media. It's your job to email it, bring it up at birthday parties. I don't care where you do it. Um, tell your whole family. It's everyone's responsibility in God's eyes to look after the fatherless. And I just I beg people, if you just teach your family about it, then the awareness will quadruple right now. And so I'm just asking you, email it, text it, um, Put about on everything that you know, social media accounts, because this has this is what they don't want. They don't want exposure, and that's what we need to give them and pray. Amen to that. And we're going to keep you in our prayers, and certainly we're going to be telling people to to follow you uh, as well. And we're going to have you back. Thank you for your sacrifice, and we know that this this is wow, this is rough, but thank you. Well, I appreciate you guys really caring about this topic a lot of people try to steer clear of because it's important. So God bless you both. We're, we're right there with you, kiddo. So thank you so much. Keep up the good work. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Have a good night. That's Angela Warren. i got to tell you, she's she's a courageous uh, lady and a, and a tremendous investigator. Uh, we'll be right back with Stan Dale. Yeah, we're out of time. 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. 
For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. to our third and final hour of this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Coming up in just a moment, Stan Dale from standeo.com. Folks, go to his website, standeo.com. Bookmark the site if you don't have it bookmarked already. And every time Stan comes on, you go to the right-hand sign right under the YouTube icon next to the microphone. There's a show images link. Click on that link, and you can follow along with the research images that Stan has put together for each time he comes on the Hagman Report. Um, you can not only hear what he has to say, but see the research that he posts online uh, to, to get a better idea of what he um, of what he's talking about. And we're going to go to Stan in just a second. First, we want to... You know, Green Innovative has got this GMAC uh, barter pack. What a great, <laughs> what a great package. And we'll give this uh, code out twice. This is, a, this is a special that expires on the 1st of May, 2017. Hagman viewers get an additional 10% off by entering the coupon code... Mm-hmm. It says coupon code Hagman right. hyphen no fooling. Now, it, well, exactly. But uh, let me just say this: uh, Alan Riggs has responded to uh, again the customer feedback, and they've they he brought in this or in, he's introducing the GMAG barter pack. If times get tough and you find yourself in a barter situation, you can trade parts um, or all of your GMAG barter pack for. Anything else you might need. And what Alan Riggs and his team did, he loaded the, the barter pack with a lot of, a lot of things in a very, very small box. Uh, the unit was designed, this particular unit was designed for users who already have a GMAG charger package and are looking for a very capable, lightweight GMAG charger that can be bartered for food or for water or whatever you might need, ammunition, medicine, when the need arises, or those who need a grab-and-go lightweight GMAG charger package one time uh, and versatility is of the essence. The new double-power GMAG barter pack comes with all the important items that you, the listeners, had, had listed that 
said, hey, these are non-negotiable. For example, the double power GMAG charger, the 6,000 milliamp AA and 6,000 AAA batteries, six AAA to AA adapters with USB cell smartphone charger with multiple, multiple function cord and an assortment of other adapters for iPhones and other types of devices, including GPSs and radios and cameras, four-pack pre-measured salt, packaged in a priceless cardboard box, folks. They're inter- they've introduced the GMAG barter pack itself at a discount price. Further savings are realized when you, when you went purchased with the GMAG complete barter pack, barter pack bundle. And Hagman viewers get an additional 10% off, as Joe said, by entering the coupon code, code Hagman. No fooling. That's right. Type it all in there. Hagman. No fooling. All right. So that's, uh, green, uh, greenovative, greenovative.com. Sorry about that. I was, I was looking at two different, uh, documents here and I'm thinking. And it's the GMAG barter pack again yeah, is yeah. the name of the pack. And we'll continue wow. to go over that. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a good deal. So, and if you have any questions, call call Alan Riggs. Get him on the phone. Say, what are you talking about? What you talking about? Al? Go ahead. Coming with us now is Stan Deo. He's on each and every Tuesday. His website is standeo.com. Stan, it's great to have you back on the show. I was just checking out your uh, the pics of the day of all the snow that you guys got or woke up to this morning. Yeah, what's yeah? I you know I went to bed you know one thirty two like I normally do, and I noticed then that we were starting to get. Some no, just a little bit. Kind of unusual because we've already got uh, leaves budding out on all the trees, and it's springtime here. And, uh, you know, Holly uh, got up at about uh, 4 to start her stuff on news as I was going to bed a couple hours earlier. Anyway, I told her when she got up, I said, look, come check outside. I think there's a couple inches of snow might be by now. And, of course, it was like uh, 5 to 6 inches of snow, uh, equal to about an inch and a quarter of rain, I guess. But these are big, nice, heavy snowflakes, and... We woke up to, you can see in the picture, just wonderful panorama of white snow, kind of, you know, uh, clean look at the earth, you know. It was really nice to wake up to. So we, uh, well, Holly did. She started up the, the fireplace, and uh, so it was a nice thing to wake up to, uh, snow on a nice warm fireplace with the doggies sitting there sleeping by it in their nice little, you know, uh, well, beds that we've made for them there. And uh, they said, hi, but we're not getting up, Dad. It's nice and warm here, so. There you go. Yes, we did have snow this morning. It's, it's almost then, gone by now, by the way. It's like uh, it's like 50 to 60 degrees outside after that, and uh, all that snow is virtually gone now. Now, kind of a gardening question here as I'm reading the caption under the, the pictures of the snow. Holly wrote, it's a balmy 33 degrees, and the lettuce, onions, spinach, and carrots are snugly warm under their snow blanket. Are the, those are planted, um, the planted those are what? seeds that you... She talked oh, yeah, about yeah, uh, yeah. We've, we've okay. planted. Uh, well, Holly's been doing because my back has been killing me of late. But she's got the the onions out there, the set uh, of onions, and let's see. I think uh, she's put out the carrot seeds, um, and uh, what else have we got in there? There's uh, tomatoes. Gonna, uh, I don't think those are up yet. Um, yeah, the reason I asked. Put in there. The reason I asked, Dan, is because I, I always, I mean, I guess if you plant the seeds and they're, they're in the ground and they haven't sprouted yet, that's fine. But I always assumed, or I guess it was taught or something, that, you know, if they start to sprout and you get weather like this, that it could kill the plants. But I guess Yeah, not. it can. It can. 
But the thing is, um, it wasn't freezing weather. It was just snow, and the snow was hitting the ground at 37 degrees. I mean, it's not frozen. So, you know, things will, will weather that, I suppose. Um, well, was it like 70... Was it 75 degrees last week when we talked to you or something, or high as 75? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it was, you know, balmy, you know, kind of nice warm days last week, and it was springtime, and as I say, you know, the trees in the neighborhood, the globe willows and stuff are just, just erupting and green leaves all over the place, and, well, I think maybe four four of our trees out in the orchard are already starting to put out the leaves, you know, the peach and the pear, let's see, two pears, two peach trees, um, well, yeah, and one of the plum trees. In fact, two of the plum trees are putting up leaves now. So, that, yeah, yeah, it's, the plants think it's uh, springtime. And uh, if we'd have had a hard freeze with this, you know, deposit of snow, I'd be a bit concerned. And it may yet get that way tonight. I mean, already it's about 36 degrees. It's dropping like a rock now. Um, but it, last year, year before, and this year, the start of spring has been erratic and it, Although it's a regular type thing or a traditional thing in Australia to have, sorry, in Australia, in Colorado to have the, uh, periodic, you know, regression from spring back to winter, back and forth until it finally decides it's going to be spring. This is all coming earlier than normal. So this is an unusual uh, behavior. That's why she filmed it, uh, put it up there on the picture today. I, it, I, I remember 1965 going uh, into, uh, Easter was late that year. We went. I went into the church with my parents. It was. I think Easter was in April. Anyway, uh, we went in and it was fifty some degrees, cold, and came out and there was like an inch of snow on the ground. And we were only in there for an hour and fifteen minutes. So I mean, you know, that that was back in mid sixties. I want to say sixty five, but I could be wrong on that. You know, um, when I was a cadet at the Air Force Academy. few centuries back, but anyway, uh, being a boy from Texas, we didn't see snow very often at all. When it did, of course, it was public holiday. But up there, up here in uh, Colorado Springs Academy, we had um, a series of snowstorms, and the temperature dropped down at night to like minus twenty, things like that, minus twenty, twenty-five. And anyway, our one of our airman sergeants that was taking us out for the weekend to visit a friend of his up in Black Forest there. Said, you know, you guys come on out here and we'll, we'll go visit her and, and have some nice warm toddies and things off the base. And so we did. And, you know, as I said, majority of us were the Texans in this particular group. And we looked out through her front door there and saw all this dry, powdery snow. And it was just snow, you know, wet stuff that's frozen on the ground. Wow. So we went running out. Um, and somebody had the bright idea. Let's run out, take our clothes off except for our undies and have a snow fight. Well, we did that. And, and, in that low temperature like that, you can't feel like you're freezing. It's like a, a warm feeling. You don't realize that you're on the verge of, you know, frostbite on the appendages that are stuck down in the snow. Anyway, the sergeant, being smart as he was, said, all right, boys, you come on back in here now because things will start falling off that you don't want to lose if you don't come in here now. So we did. We stood by the fire and started to hurt a lot when we thawed out. But, uh, <laughs> yes, that's, you know, my, my favorite story about... Uh, Texans and, and uh, snow in Colorado. So there you go, a little personal insight. Interesting. Um, yeah, Holly says that's her smart husband. Well, that was then. I was still young and dumb. See, now I'm smarter now. I wear no, shoes. No, I, I, I suspect <laughs> nothing fell off, right? Uh, you, you're, uh, no. you're, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, when it did snow, one of the times it did snow in Texas when I was about, uh, gosh, four or five years old, I could talk. Anyway, um, 
mom and dad let me go out and play in the snow because it's so, you know, unusual. And at my height at that age, uh, you know, I was probably waist deep in the snow and I played around out there and, you know, uh, threw snowballs and thought it was great fun. And, and so I got to come back in the house from mom and so I came back in and she said, now you're going in there and stand in front of the heater there in the bathroom and, and get all, uh, you know, warmed up and it will give you a nice warm bath and, and you'll feel better. So I'm taking all my clothes off and standing in front of the heater, and I look down, and where there should be some things, there weren't. They were gone. And uh, I thought, wow, um, Mom, uh, we need to go back out in the snow and look for it, because they fell off, uh, those little things down there, you know. And, uh, of course, she couldn't help but laugh uh, laugh herself to death there. But anyway, um, they did come back. So little deos appeared all over the planet after that. Interesting. Well, there you go. I mean, that's causation, or the, 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 there's no correlation with causation, or causation, correlation, whatever, never mind. All right. <laughs> what do okay. you say with that? I mean, hey. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. Uh, I tell you what, we're kind of on the verge of all kinds of bad things, aren't we? Um, it seems that way, doesn't it? It, it, it? Of course, it seems like that all the time. So it must be, by that logic, it must be even more true today than it was a year ago. Well, but, things uh, are heating up with uh, North Korea, yeah. aren't they? I mean, you know, the yeah. nuclear sabers are rattling. Yeah. Um, and I had a chance to talk with a couple of people, uh, with one that's connected to, to the military and, and uh, this weekend, and very concerned about that, very upset with the alliance between... Anytime you talk about North Korea, you've got to talk about Iran and because of the relationship and vice versa. So, yeah, what's going on with that, Stan? Well, you mentioned uh, the alliance with Iran. Uh, Iran, of course, uh, uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek, has no nuclear weapons program uh, rubbish, but it does have good missile delivery systems they've been working on and testing. We we know that from just the the news. So if uh, North Korea has actually made its own nuclear warheads for missiles, or has purchased them somehow or another from some other country, um, the likelihood that they have uh, instruments of war to reach out and touch us in Hawaii on the West Coast and possibly even the East Coast by, uh, you know, ships in international waters launching a surface-to-air uh, missile with a nuke on it, they can reach out and hurt us pretty bad. Um, and, you know, we, we must make a mistake of looking at a small, poor dictatorial type country and not be uh, aware of the danger they they present um, I, I there are just so many little things that could trigger that at the moment and then we have our own issues here at home with trying to have a stable government it's interesting that Obama and his family have uh, run off to Tahiti for a month um, I've seen the rumors that they're saying that he's running off to escape being uh, indicted for you know treasonous behavior, whatever, while he was in office and for bugging, uh, you know, illegal wiretapping, that kind of stuff. I don't know whether that's true or not, but it might be a good time to dodge the nuclear bullets that are headed for the United States. Maybe he still has his ear to the ground and, and thinks it's a time to be on holiday in Tahiti instead of here. You know, yeah, I'd, I'd be more inclined to believe the latter than the former. I don't think that he's, to, to me, I don't think that there's any, any fear of indictment. I think that there's more if anything, well, get out of the way of the potential calamity. If uh, you know, with 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 respect to the nuclear uh, threat, 
Uh, how do you see a nuclear threat from North Korea playing out? Would it be? It wouldn't be on an ICBM supplied by the technology by uh, Iran, would it? Uh, uh, from North Korea, um, or Iran's would, missile um, inventory, to as far as I can tell from what we're told, is more short range, intermediate, not intercontinental, because they've been planning for an attack on Israel and possibly Saudi Arabia, because the, the Saudis and the Iranians don't get along too well. But anyway, it, the majority of their stockpile would be short, intermediate range teams. They can be launched from a ship, and this has been the problem all along: is that you've got merchant vessels that come sailing up to, say, off offshore of New York City, and they're still in international waters, they open up, you know, um, a cargo hold, and out comes a missile, up, and over before we can even stop it, it explodes and causes, a, you know, an EMP effect across the, uh, the majority of the United States. Or they could just nuke New York and, and burn it to the ground in, uh, you know, one big flash. But doing it from offshore like that, uh, it's very hard to to check all the seatainers on the ship out there to know which ones have got any, you know, bad stuff and they could be shielded so there's no radioactive signature. And all they gotta do is pop it open and launch it and we then have to figure out a way to bring it down safely once it's over, you know, the United States. Um, where's it gonna fall? You know, I mean, it's a no-win situation. We'll either have radioactive poisoning and, and local damage or, you know, it's gonna hit us. I just, I think I see that kind of an attack playing out. Uh, even the Hopi Indians, when we talked to them back in 96, 97, when we were down there, Holly and I, um, they talked about an invasion of the United States after a civil war tears the, the country apart, or during that civil war. And it would, it would be China and Russia invading us, plus a Middle Eastern country. Um, now, North Korea is not a Middle Eastern one, uh, but they were talking about, like, a third invader coming in to to get the spoils of, of the United States. So I don't know whether this is North Korea uh, that they saw or whether it's, say, like Saudi Arabia, which uh, could definitely profit from coming in and invading the United States, and they could afford to finance something like that uh, with China and Russia, of course. Um, but things are so volatile in the political, you know, the domestic political situation and the international political situation, uh, you know, England withdrawing from uh, the European Union, you know, the Brexit thing, this is creating problems, and uh, it's also thought that the current prime minister may uh, defend uh, property at the, you know, Gibraltar. Once they get out of the, the uh, European Union, that they might actually do like they did in the Falcons and send troops down to protect their, their investment in uh, Gibraltar. And that's not a peaceful act, and for that to happen during the middle of all this, I mean, it's just adding to the obvious threat of nuclear annihilation of the planet. And this is one of the crisis curves that I've been expecting to accelerate and didn't know how they were going to do it exactly, but here are the things happening to do it. So that people of Earth, not the government, the people, will say, can anyone stop this nuclear war business? Can you defuse the nuclear bombs and, and, and bring peace, uh, you know, without being a dictatorship or whatever? So they're going to, the people of Earth are going to be looking for a solution to this very, uh, well, very anxiously, I should say, in the immediate future. Now, we've seen a number of reports in the UFO community where UFOs would come over, say, a, a nuclear uh, missile base in uh, England or here, and the missile silos would turn on all by themselves while the, the UFOs are over them and arm and start to look like they're going to launch missiles. And they, then they've been turned 
that they were de- uh, disarmed. So somebody with that kind of technology, which will be Satan and his minions posing as you know elder brothers in space and all that rubbish, they will do something like that, I'm sure, in the height of this nuclear uh, Armageddon that is uh, approaching. And people will be suitably impressed, and uh, even the scientific community will be. And they'll think, right, whoever did this, you know, they must be good guys or aiming for peace and, you know, no no nuclear weapons, no nuclear war. That That is the situation that we're approaching rapidly. And so uh, that's not going to protect America. I think we're going to get hit. That's part of the, the shock value, shock and awe that the world will see uh, as a result of nuclear arms being used. And that's, you know, that's how I see it playing out you know, in that particular event. I, Stan, I just I saw some stats today, and um, this kind of relates, but maybe not entirely. But I thought, I thought I'd throw them out anyway. Um, these uh, START treaty, I have that right between Russia and the United States, correct? The uh, the uh, or SALT. The SALT treaty, uh, yeah. Okay, there we go. We are. What about it? Well, uh, the United States and Russia are on parity with the uh, long-range missiles, it's my understanding, at about 1,500 roughly each um, that we know about between the two of us. On the other hand, Russia has far exceeded us technologically with the uh, tactical nuclear weapons where they've left us in the dust. Is that about right? Um and if so, does that have any, is there any, is there any merit of talking about this or is that kind of off topic entirely with what we're talking What do you mean about? the threat uh, of, of Russia well, using it? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess, I guess one of the, one of the, um, goals of, of the global takeover is to disarm the United States not only uh, through gun control of American citizens, but through our military or nuclear arsenal. And while many globalists will stand up and say, well, we're on par with Russia and Russia's on par with us militarily with nuclear weapons, and in actuality, Russia's got more tactical nuclear weapons than we have, and they're currently upgrading or constantly upgrading their tactical nukes. And I guess I was trying to apply that to the current situation, if that's even relevant or if that's just... Well, right here. look... Um one of the things that, uh, you know, the Obama administration, the globalists have done is weaken our defense capabilities uh, greatly by underfunding uh, the Navy and the, uh, you know, the Air Force and various places that we need to, to have at, uh, you know, operational readiness, you know, number one readiness now. And it's going to take several years to get them back to that point if Obama can, sorry, if Obama, if Trump can beat Obama's uh, legislation and EOs that have, so weakened our military strength. The the Chinese have uh, submarines and missiles on board, uh, as do the the Russians. Uh, they've uh, had them out in the uh, North Pacific, and uh, some of them come out over in the North Atlantic as well and have been spotted. These things, each each submarine has enough nuclear missiles on it, and, and I discussed this on the show with you last year, to destroy up to 180 U.S. cities or targets anyway, nuclear targets. With that kind of Firepower, they can get right up, you know, before we can see them. They've already uh, shown us they can do that in the last two years by the Russian submarines appearing off our uh, California coast and saying, "Hi, surprise, we're here. You didn't detect us." When they can get that close with these tactical nuclear uh, warheads, that uh, missiles on their submarine. 
uh, normal or moving out of New York City and out of California for various out of Southern California for various reasons. But I'm wondering if uh, underlying all that is either you know fear of massive earthquakes and, and problems like that, or problems with the illegal immigration concentrations in uh, California and some to some degree in New York, or you know whether it's fear of nuclear war. Um, you know I. I see people being very, very worried, and, and I must tell you, this is reflected in the sales of Holly's book, The Dare to Prepare book, you know, how to prepare for nuclear war in your home and that kind of stuff, and how to prepare for all kinds of emergencies. Those books are running off the shelf. We just reprinted um, two weeks ago, and we've already got a third of that has already gone out the door, so we're going to have to uh, order an emergency reprint here shortly, because people are suddenly saying, it's it, it's it's coming, it's now, and they're worried, and I'm sorry that they waited so long to see how to get ready for it, but um, the grassroots feeling, and I'm sure you're, you're hearing this too, is that America is going to be in severe strife one way or another very soon this year. Yeah, um, you know, that's something, whether it's, you know, the international situation with North Korea or the domestic situation both politically and uh you know with the two sides from you know the the anti-trumpers versus the national constitutionalists there definitely seems to be a lot of uh people trying to stoke the fire to get some kind of conflict rolling and i don't think it matters how much we keep our eye on it or not it could start from anywhere just about at any time these people want to get it rolling whether it comes in the way of an economic collapse or an overt strike or or attack um you know it's we're one incident away from from having a, a societal breakdown of epic proportions of mass proportions and Stan, we're almost up against the break but when Already? we come back wow. yeah when we come back i want to uh your show images page number 36 i didn't didn't open this article up yet i'm just reading the headlines uh, massive academic cover-up concealing a near-total collapse of ocean food chains. Math, mass okay. death to humans will follow. Does this have something to do with Fukushima? Uh, partly, yes. Uh, but then there are other factors that indicate that, uh, well, we can discuss about it after the break if you want, but there, there, there are other factors other than the Fukushima radiation. That is listed as one of the causes, though. Okay. And there's, uh, you know, we we have a minute till break here. Um, there's been some developments on Fukushima that we haven't talked about, both um, very troubling and then disturbing. One was a um, a video of, I believe it was the building number two, about a, you know this big hole where uh, with nuclear fuel rods washing up on different beaches across the uh, the world, um, and the spent fuel and the rods going through the floor of the building number two. Um, you know, just spewing massive amounts of radiation into the ocean. And then there was a, you know, Temco came out and robots can't even work, don't even work due to the high radiation in some of these areas of Fukushima, the nuclear power plant. Yeah, I saw that. But the um, Temco came out, I think it was last week, maybe 10 days ago, and, you know, basically uh, tried to lie, said there was no hole in the ground in the second reactor. It's not as bad. And then we talked about this a few weeks back. They were even trying to move people back into the Fukushima prefecture and more than almost half the people didn't want to go back. Folks, we're up against our, our break. When we come back, we're going to continue our talk with Stan Dale. Go to standale.com and bookmark his website. We'll be getting into some of the show images right on the other side. Don't go anywhere. 
agmanreport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric. Uh, it's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow. It's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Chang Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% of our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Journeys kit at www.changewithwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Report Stan Deo is our guest. StanDeo.com is the website. And if we can, Stan, let's uh, start off by talking about number 36, the massive cover-up concealing a near-total collapse of ocean food chains. And this is a very uh, important story. It is. Uh, I'm just, uh, let's see, I think I made a note here. I'm just trying to find out. Okay, um, the they, they said that there were three main causes. One was the uh, 
really bad El Nino we had last year, uh, going into this year. The other was the radioactive poisoning from you know, the food chain from Fukushima. And then they said other human activity producing, you know, uh, things that would kill uh, the fish off. But the, the problem is that it's creating whatever the, the sources are, and there, there's more than one, I'm sure, they are killing areas of the ocean. They're like deserts in the ocean where there's no life. And uh, there's oxygen, uh, you know, like oxygen is taken out of certain areas, uh, increased carbon dioxide and, uh, you know, methane hydrates and stuff like that that are causing the lower end of the food chain, you know, the little tiny bits and pieces that are eaten by, you know, shellfish and lobsters and fish and then that are eaten by, you know, sharks and then by, you know, going up to the bigger animals. When the bottom of the food chain dies, all the big animals up the chain die too because they have nothing to, to uh, eat. And this is... This is growing rapidly in the Pacific, like kill off of salmon and stuff like that. And, you know, hundreds of dead whales are beaching in places. Uh, you know, this is something, the numbers, the amounts of it are much greater than we've ever seen before. Um, and so the article, if you if you click on that thing, it will take you, on the show image space to 36, uh, it will take you over to the, the article where it says massive... Uh, uh, academic cover-up concealing a near total collapse of ocean food chains. Mass death to humans will follow. And that is, of course, because we depend on the food chain coming up from the, the lower levels of uh, the ocean life forms, you know, the little plankton, various other things like that. Um, it may not happen today, but let's say that it's certainly going to affect a lot of the food that we uh, used to be able to buy and eat here in the United States. And obviously, and a lot of other countries that import food from, you know, the uh, the, the seafood industry, wherever they are. Uh, we've done so many of these things from human activity that it's it's just kind of, you know, like wells that uh, have, uh, you know, put uh, oil up into the uh, uh, ecosystem and killed off sea life in the Gulf of Mexico and things like that. But it's hard to pin it on one thing, but it, all of these things are adding up to stories that we hear, you know, read the newspaper, see on the TV, one this week and maybe a few weeks go by and another one, and you don't add them all up together. You know, Hobley's talked about this too in, in the Prophetic Perils book. And um, th- these are things, these are reasons that uh, people need to wake up because it's not going to always be that you can run to Walmart or Kroger's or wherever you shop to get your food and get food. Things are going to change because of uh, a number of these issues. I mean, look, the carbon dioxide, if you go to the show images page, uh, let's see, where are we here? I've disappeared it here, uh, show images. Okay, if you go to the show images page and look at the um, images 31 and 32. Now, I get that off of that null uh, site, that N-U-L-L win site that I go to. Um, and it tells us about the, it, it's earth.nullschool.net. It tells us about the earth's condition updated every just few minutes. And it, so it gives you not only wind, but it gives you chemical, uh, distributions across the uh, air and on the surface of the earth and on, you know, particularly over the oceans. Anyway, using that, I, I looked at, um, the, uh, uh, at image, uh, 32 mainly. I found something very interesting there. If you click on image 32, this is taken earlier today at about 1.30 by time. And, uh, oh, sorry, Universal Time, 1.30, London Time. Anyway, look at this, and you'll see the dark brown areas south of the equator are showing where 
dioxide production occurs in the industrialized uh, and heavily populated countries north of the equator. Look how little carbon dioxide concentration is up there. I mean, huge. Uh, you know, like, gosh, I, the thickness uh, or the uh, length of most of South America is how far down this carbon dioxide uh, concentration is. This is the greatest carbon dioxide concentration they've measured since we've been measuring it, 410 parts per million. Um, and, you know, you can go on this site yourself and look at this data to see what I'm talking about. Something is really uh, strange, uh, you know, causing this. Uh, and, and we think that not only is the die-off from the, you know, the Fukushima stuff, but in the southern hemisphere, it's from the increased amount of carbon dioxide. And I've been tracking this down, trying to figure out what the heck is causing it. And, you know, they've got some some thoughts about it might be linked to uh, volcanic gases, which, you know, okay, we have a few of those down south of the equator. But um, then there's other things at the sun uh, and the uh, thinning of the ozone layers on UV to to penetrate the atmosphere, and this is causing chemical reactions, and that's why we're getting this increased CO2, but it does not explain to my satisfaction why the majority of it is down beneath the equator. The southern half of the planet is just covered in excess carbon dioxide ratings. Um, have you guys heard any thoughts on that? No, but it is strange, as you pointed out, you know, the northern hemisphere who has, you know, definitely mo- most of the carbon dioxide emissions, you'd think that, that it would be the opposite, uh, that the northern hemisphere would have a lot more carbon dioxide. And I guess, I don't know, we have to look into how radiation affects carbon dioxide, if it does at all, uh, pertaining to Fukushima. And I, I don't know, I mean, I, I don't know what else it could be. Uh, I'm not too smart it, it, when it comes to the wrong, wrong hemisphere, though. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the image 35, I think it is. Uh, let me just see which image that is there. Uh, uh, no, image 31, uh, right there in front of 32, where we're talking about the carbon dioxide. Image 31 talks about sulfur dioxide. And, and that's, you know, exactly opposite to what we're seeing, uh, in that it's showing the sulfur dioxide is from, you know, China, from manufacturing, from the United States, New England states, you know, eastern states, um, you know, Silver dioxide being produced by manufacturing, and then you go over and you see India. It's got a lot, and uh, uh, parts of Italy up into Europe. You see them there, uh, but it's all basically northern hemisphere that this severe concentration of sulfur dioxide is occurring. And China, of course, is the biggest offender because they just virtually do no environmental control, you know, or mitigation to their manufacturing, and it, the majority, uh, you know, the, the concentration and the majority of the sulfur dioxide byproduct is China, um, and it goes into uh, Korea as well and uh, a bit to Japan, but um, that's, again, all Northern Hemisphere, and you would think that carbon dioxide would be along with it in the Northern Hemisphere where we consume most of this stuff. So what I'm wondering is, you know, what the heck is going on in the Southern Hemisphere, particularly in Central Africa? What are they doing there? What are they doing in um, South Africa? You know, in Madagascar, these are places where the huge concentration of carbon dioxide are. Um, those countries, you would think, would have enough forest and stuff left to, to mitigate the carbon dioxide to consume and turn it into oxygen and other things. But Is it's it a mystery, that, and it's definitely not being it, explained properly by the press. Yeah, uh, it, could it be that this has nothing to do with man man's actions? This could be something... Uh, uh, 
other than man's actions? I, I don't know how to, how to phrase that question. Uh, natural causes or, you know, like yeah, solar or, or periodic yeah, changes yeah. in the Earth's weather or climate, things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah possibly. I mean, I mean it's got to be something. I mean, <laughs> maybe it's a seasonal thing, a seasonal variation, but it's excess. It, it's what's being recorded in the scientific papers I was mentioning right now. It is the highest they've ever recorded. Uh, you're seeing, like, um, let's see here. Let me see if that's over Mauna Loa. Uh, and seasonal is uh, yeah, yeah. the one thing I thought of because in the southern hemisphere, when in the northern hemisphere, when we have our winter months in the southern hemisphere, they have their summer, and maybe that has something to do with it, at least with the, the carbon uh, dioxide, but I don't know. Yeah, I wondered that too. But, you know, you're saying if you look at that live dull school map over Mauna Loa in Hawaii, in the northern hemisphere, obviously, it's 411 parts per million. Uh, of air molecules right now, which is increasing, and they're blaming that on you know volcanic activity. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. the amount of stuff we're seeing in eastern part of South America and the southern part of Africa is just so dense and so widespread compared to what you'd see at Manila stuff that it has to be some climate change in progress. And I don't think it's due, as you were mentioning, I don't think it's due to cow gas or auto bills or whatever. They're, they contribute a bit, but I think the majority of it is something is happening to the entire solar system. The sun is outputting more energy. I mean, in the last three or four days, we've had uh, six uh, M-class flares come off of a sun that's supposed to be in kind of quiet nature now then in, in the low ebb of the solar sunspot cycle. And, you know, I've put pictures of that up on the... Uh, the show images page as well, uh, to, just to show how the uh, uh, thing looked uh, as far as the flares. Um, I'm just trying to get a picture of that up here. I hit the wrong button again. But uh, image 33, and the, the, the title of the article underneath that is, The Sun is Bursting. NASA observed six M-class flares in rapid succession. And I just picked two of them in, in the last uh, 48 to 72 hours and put those there, uh, you can click on it and see the pictures of them. You'd see this kind of stuff at the high part of the solar sunspot cycle normally, but not now. So the sun is driving the heating up of the entire solar system. We've noticed this in the, the data that NASA and JPL have supplied, that the planets, uh, the inner planets particularly, are heating up. And it's not due to us, our human activity. So you were right in saying there's some kind of a, a natural uh event in, or like a repetitive event is occurring that is adding to the temperature of Earth, melting the methane hydrates, melting the Arctic ice faster than it has, you know, in a long time. And it's like re- the reverse of an ice age. It's like a heated age. We're looking at perhaps a two degree Celsius increase on in the mean temperature of the planet, which is, you know, the opposite of what you would see to make a, an ice age. So it's melting the ice. You're going to see rapid sea level rise, much more rapid than they thought before. Um, all these things are connected. So the, the food chain, the Fukushima, okay, the radiation will have some effect on that, but I don't know how to determine, you know, high-altitude effects of it to, for as far as the UV penetration and solar radiation. But all these things are drivers in the climate change that we're seeing. And you're, you're the only only scientist that I, I've heard mention. It's just not um, warming of our Earth, warming of our planet, but warming of, of all of the planets. 
Yeah, I'll have to, to dig out some of the old papers about that, but it's, um, it's a, it's a system-wide increase right. in output from the sun. Um, hmm. and I expect this, I expect it because even in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, it does talk about the sun and behavior of the sun causing or, or being a signal for a number of events that are going to be, you know, part of the tribulation period. You're going to see things like, um, you know, the sun going dark, uh, as though someone had pulled a, 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 a wool blanket over and you can only see pinholes of light and the rest of the surface of the sun is dark, yet the, the radiation coming from it will, will uh, burn, you know, and kill fish and people like that. Um, you know, I, uh, the, um, uh, things like the uh, increase in temperature and the light coming from the sun being as bright, you know, seven times as bright as daylight normally and killing off a third of the fish, the trees, and living things on that side of the planet that's facing the sun. These all indicate there's going to be some kind of activity, uh, uh, several types, I guess, in the sun that will fulfill prophecy that will be catastrophic events on the earth. Um, a cloud will form around it uh, in the Old Testament. It, it, you know, there will be a cloud form around the sun and it will block the light and then they then the light will be seven times brighter, okay? These all indicate massive changes in the chemistry, the nuclear chemistry of the sun. And I've said this a number of times. The way we measure the age of our universe is flawed, greatly flawed. And people get very comfortable using this Darwinian evolution type thing about how old the universe and our sun and our planet are. And they get comfortable thinking, well, the sun cannot go red giant. It can't go pre-red giant for billion years or so. I mean, it's so far out there, we're not even concerned about it. And the sad truth is that we're looking in short time, young universe, young Earth, young sun, where these events that they've put at happening billions of years have happened in tens of thousands of years or less. And this is a major wake-up call to the people of Earth. Uh, all is not as it seems. And don't get complacent, don't get lazy. And don't, uh, you know, don't forget to be prepared and to tell people about the good Lord because that's the only thing that's going to endure through all this. At the end of the book of Revelation, what happens after the thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus on earth? The earth and the universe all disappear in this fervent heat as the, it's all melted down and destroyed. And a new earth and a new heavens appear. And that's where those that are with Christ will uh, live or use however they're going to in his plan. But we're, our universe is going to uh, see maximum entropy. It's going to just explode. It's going you know, burn. It's gone. And we're very close to that within a thousand some odd years. Anyway, I, I'm on my soapbox. I'm sorry, guys. Wow. But, uh, very it just, interesting. Well, yeah, I, th- I think, I think it, it, it goes to the long-held beliefs and, and the um, intentional. Well, you, you've got the indoctrination of of people about how old the Earth is, the universe is. Um, that telescope that that they're working on, that that eight billion dollar telescope or whatever, that's going to be magnitudes of uh, more sensitive than the Hubble telescope to look at the moment of the Big Bang. I mean, I I, I don't know. Um, now I'm going kind of going off on a tangent there, but but I'm I'm thinking to myself. Uh, I'm not sure if we understand we as as man understands what we're 
seeing 100%, especially if we look at things out of context, out of the context of the Bible, without the Bible in the context. Yeah, I know. It, uh, well, I am sure that our universe is a lot younger than they're uh, supporting. Uh, and, you know, the globalists control, and Satan and, and his minions control the the press, the media, the movies, the TV shows that we watch. Um, we have a friend up in Canada, uh, Deb, uh, Deborah, and we communicate almost daily. And uh, she was watching something on the History Channel, one of those um, alien-type, uh, mm-hmm. I forget what they call them, the alien shows where they look at investigating the aliens on the Earth. Ancient kind of aliens. Stuff. Ancient aliens, right. Well, and uh, she sent us a, a little snap of the screen she'd taken from the show because they put it up on YouTube as well. And at first I looked at it and I thought, okay, that's an interesting snap. It shows the Middle East and the Qumran and Palestine. Wait a minute. And I realized they're showing in this documentary that Palestine is a country, was a country. And the, the, the truth of the matter is that even by de facto assumption, you know, from agreements were made in 2012, Palestine as a country never existed, never. But yet the subtle conditioning they've got, not so subtle really, in this documentary shows all of Israel is called Palestine. And, and this is part of the stuff that, I, you know, I missed it. I, I saw that show, I'm sure. And, you know, it, it went by in my subconscious and there was Palestine, there was Israel. And it didn't, it didn't click. But this is positive proof that we're being conditioned severely over this Israel-Palestine issue. Uh, anyway, go, go to slide 34, and you can click onto that and go to the actual video and go to uh, 29 minutes, 33 seconds, and you'll see that it's just a little short space that they put in there where they show Israel is really Palestine, and that is definitely not a pro-Israel or a truthful piece of information. Just part of all Yeah. I saw that email too, Stan, and... Um I just pulled up some of the, the, I've seen it on ancient maps as well, um, even in, in biblical maps, but it's not Palestine. Um, you have, you know, Phoenicia, uh, Philistina. I've seen it like that yeah. before, but not just labeled, you know, Palestine, the, the way that, uh, Deborah had pointed out. Yeah, and even the Philistia, you know, the Philistines, they did live all over that area that you see in that uh, documentary uh, thing there. They lived on the coastal areas over, you know, the, the uh, Gaza Strip over toward uh, Egypt. That's why the the path of the Exodus that Moses took was not up along the coast to get to uh, into the heart of what would become Israel. He went south to avoid the Philistines and and, uh, and the giants because there were giants among the Philistines, and and uh, they came from the Qumran, uh, well, north of the Qumran, the Golan Heights area and spread all through what is now uh, Israel, shown as Palestine here on this map. But that's why he took the southern route. It was to avoid conflict with the, the giants and the, and the Philistines. That is not Palestine. They certainly tried to, to make it that way, but it's, that's not the truth. Yeah, and I, I'm just... Um, there's a the eSword program. They have uh, a graphics viewer option. And I'm looking at a map they have up here, 500 B.C., the Persian Empire. And they have Phoenicia on, in the Mediterranean side of Israel. 
and then they have Palestine written on the uh, the land side, right where Jerusalem is. But it, and then the country's just labeled Syria. But yeah, how the, old is uh, that map? I'm not sure how old it is. Let me see if I can get the details on it. Um, but I see this a lot with, especially with. Um, them labeling now they said this is the Persian Empire from 500 BC. I don't know how old the map is. It looks like it's from easily from the 50s, maybe before. Um, but I do see well, this a lot in 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 the depicting ancient territories and and dynasties. I, I've seen that quite a bit. I almost responded to her email by saying, obviously, you know, it's the land of Israel, but it's labeled as Palestine or uh, you know. Philistina, whatever you, however that goes, um, in a number of, of historical and educational maps, if you will. Not that it's correct, but it's not the first time I've seen that. No, and if they're referring to Palestine in most of these maps I've seen as well, the older ones, uh, as a region, okay, mm-hmm. uh, not a country. Uh, and that's the issue. State, Palestine is not a state. And uh, even Wikipedia says it's a state, a sovereign state de jure, uh, you know, because it is, uh, uh, you know, in, what was it, 2012, uh, that they were a non-member observer state in the United Nations, which kind of suggests, you know, that they are recognized as a state. But before that, they weren't, they didn't exist. Uh, you know, it, it was a region that was not a country. They were not a people. And anyway, it's just <sighs> twisting history very subtly uh, mm-hmm. to bring down Israel and its claim to the land. I, I just, I, I'm amazed to see this kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's happening more and more um, frequently and more often. And, and just to be clear, I just want to, because I don't think we can drive this point home enough, that there never has been in the history of mankind a country by the name of Palestine. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. That, okay. I just want to drive that point home for the listeners out there and the viewers that there was never was a country named Palestine. If you look at Mahmoud uh, Abbas, you know, uh, the founding of the state of Palestine now was by his claim uh, in November of 1988. Okay? And that was, you know, not in the ancient times and that other kind of stuff it was long after Israel came back and started rebuilding the country they tried to found the state of uh, Palestine after the fact I mean you can look at Wikipedia you look on the Google Earth it tells you that since 2012 uh, it has been a you know a kind of a de facto state because of it's recognized by the United Nations as a non-member observer state and that kind of said that they were a state in the eyes of the United Nations but that's now that's not before 1948. That's not in history. It never has been a state, a country, a Palestine. A region, yes, but not a state. Okay. Um, we uh, have about four minutes left, uh, three and a half, four minutes left, Stan. If you want to hit on uh, Michael Snyder from the economic collapse, what is America going to look like when stocks, home prices, and even used cars crash by at least 50%? And you kind of touched on this in the beginning of the interview. Um, so, folks, if you if you want to go there, go to Stan Dale's uh, show images page or go to the economiccollapseblog.com. It's from April 2nd. Uh, what will America? What is America going to look like when stocks, home prices, and even used cars all crash by at least 50%? It's a good article. It gets into some important details. 
and uh, paints a, a grim picture of the future of our economic well-being. It does, and uh, it definitely it's worth uh, you know, reading the article. But um, uh, what does it say? The time is running out. This uh, this economic bubble we're in, and um, I think they published the article the second of, of this month. Uh, again, you can see the link off of our website where Holly does the daily news. Um, you know, house prices, we're going to see that bubble drop. I don't know whether it'll stop at 50%, but uh, certainly I think they're being kind of conservative with that, uh, that estimate there in that article. But, um, um, the, you've got the nuclear threat of nuclear war, which is a major curve that, that definitely gets everybody's attention. And then you got the food chain being interrupted by various events that are killing off life in the ocean, which eventually get to us on land. Uh, and then you look at the economic situation, which is in a mess by anybody's reckoning. Uh, the It's in chaos. The United States is the main driver in the global economy at the moment, but China and Russia are looking at uh, getting rid of the U.S. dollar now as their, their medium of exchange. Um, so we are being cut out of all that. So there are three crisis curves, you know, the war, the food, the, the economy, and then, of course, we've got the global climate change, which is heavy upon us at the moment, all crying out for someone with advanced technology and a, a society model that works to come help the Earth and the people of Earth form this peaceful global government, just like prophecy said Satan would do in the last days, fooling even the very elect. If such were possible. Yeah. Well, well, things are going to get rough. Buckle up, and uh, we need to prepare. And dare to prepare, folks. Speaking of preparation, dare, dare to prepare. Get it while you can. Again, uh, uh, <laughs> Stan and Holly are running out of their, their latest printing, so I would jump on that as soon as possible. Dare to there to prepare go to standale.com and make in and order the that book that's a tremendous book um i i love that uh it's got so much also prudent places usa and um so much there so much information one there and also thing. on the free side one, yeah go ahead sir go ahead one quick thing one of your uh, listeners uh, just written in here uh made a suggestion which is quite uh, something i'd forgotten about he says about the carbon dioxide levels being lower in the northern hemisphere, he says, the difference I see, and it's probably the cause, is the difference from the geoengineering going on, like, you know, chemtrails in the northern hemisphere. If the aluminum and barium reflects the sun, it could also reflect these pictures if the carbon dioxide is at ground level. Uh, so I, yeah. it's something I'll have to investigate, and I, and I think Wouldn't you that, wouldn't that trap it in? Wouldn't, well, uh, or is that what it may, it may reflect the cause of the radiation that's Creating the carbon dioxide as a byproduct of something else. Uh, it, it's a very complex equation, and I, I'll have to investigate that, but that, that just came in just a few minutes ago, so I thought I'd uh, uh, recognize Steve for sending that in. That's, that's interesting. Okay. Well, wow. Stan, you've taken us to the end of another program. I want to thank you so much for joining us, and you have a, a good week. Thank you, guys. We're not going to be nice. shoveling snow, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Lord bless Tell you. Holly, we said hello. God bless. All right. And that will do it for us tonight. Until tomorrow, stay safe, God bless, and have a great evening.